tonight's episode of the PWC Wednesday Night Skirmish is brought to you by Z Apollo Photography. Visit zapollophotography.com for all your photography needs. You're listening to the Rational Rage Network. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10. AEW Dynamite, everyone, with a debuting. Andrade El Idolo is going at it with the number five ranked Matt Seidel. Seidel fighting back valiantly, but throughout the break, it was all Andrade. You know, so much, there's so much expectation on, on uh, El, 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 El Idolo. I'll get that right, folks. You will. Bear with me. Uh, he's such, such high expectations because he's an international star. But look at the other side of the coin. What this match would mean to that young man right there. Well, he's got it going now with that great leg lariat off the far ropes. Trying to get him down, but man, Elidolo is so hard to bring down. One of my fans the AEW Welcome Back Tour has kicked off, and Dynamite is hitting the road again. Fighter Fest Night 2 comes to the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Garland, Texas, Wednesday, July 21st at the Curtis Colwell Center. And then on Wednesday, August 4th, AEW Dynamite's homecoming returns to Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida for the last time in a long time. And all tickets are available right now at AWTIX.com. Shoulders down! Can't wait to see Britt Baker defend against Nyla Rose in Dallas at Fighter Fest Night 2. Oh, what a match that's going to be. I can't help you with tickets next week in Austin, folks. They're all gone. <laughs> Leaping knee strike by Matt Seidel. Went for another shot. Andrade able to avoid it. Just dead Seidel with a lariat. Inside out. Turned upside down. Did Matt Seidel. That's a lot of power was delivered there by Andrade. Andrade El Idolo, everything he does is with such force and such power. Every move. The emotion that he was thinking perhaps the frog splash off the top, yeah. but instead, oh, oh, Matt Seidel, his legs are trapped underneath the top turnbuckle. And on, oh, this is this is trouble. This is Andrade El Idolo wow. went for the diving foot stomp. Oh, right on the end the, of the night for Seidel. Right on the ab abdomen, and that was a, Danger avoided. Oh, the Meteora! The Meteora from Matt Seidel! This could be it! One! Wow. We talked about what this match would mean for Seidel to win. Think what it would mean for Andrade to lose. Oh, my God. In-ring debut. Oh, 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 oh! He is a high-dollar piece of talent. There's a star around the world. He really needs to win this match. I mean, that's duh. Oh, the driving knees in the corner! Seidel is in trouble. My daddy would say you can't win them all if you don't win the first one. Andrade El Idolo with the hammerlock applied. 
He calls this El Idolo! The Planet Side L in one, two, three! Here is your winner, Andrade El Idolo! No questions asked, Excalibur. Very businesslike debut for Andrade El Idolo, who just knocked off the number five ranked Matt Seidel. And now what? He's got the arm of, of Matt Seidel restrained. And just insult to injury after the win. Andrade El Idolo trying to make an example of Matt Seidel and perhaps send a message to the locker room. Well, dangerous man with his first victory, I'm sure what will be many, many more. I'll tell you people what you want. We got a desperate situation and... Well, is business picking up? Well, well, well. My good sir, would you hold this jacket? It is incredibly hot here in Miami tonight. Now, I've spent the last few minutes listening to you and your weird uncle talk. <laughs> and I have a few questions for you, Mr. Kenny Omega. I'll tell you people what you want. We got a desperate situation and... Is business picking up? Well, well, well. Alex, my good sir, would you hold this jacket? It is incredibly hot here in Miami tonight. Now, I've spent the last few minutes listening to you and your weird uncle talk. <laughs> and I have a few questions for you, Mr. Kenny Omega. If you would take a step back, sir, the men would like to talk. Now, what I want to know is why you are ignoring this crowd. Why you are ignoring the number one ranked wrestler in all elite wrestling. And most importantly, why are you so afraid of my friend, Kenny? You've got a lot of questions, don't you? You've got a lot of questions for a non-sport playing numbnuts. You know, this going back to live crowds thing, it's hard to make you guys out. Look, if you don't mind, I got a question for you. You seem like a smart guy. Definitely smarter person than you are a wrestler. So let me ask you a question. Just out of curiosity, what happens to be the capital of Thailand? Are we playing trivia today, Mr. Kenny Omega? Uh -huh. Obviously, this... Oh! It's Bangkok, baby! And the Dark Order flooding the ring, but look at this! The Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows and Michael Nakazawa lying in wait! Got a, the old Pier 6 brawl and throw another Sobeism in there. Omega, Omega and Stu Grayson teeing off on one another, but Omega sending the Dark Order to the outside. Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, 
Background noise, by the way, on my end. Yeah, the cars is probably going to drive past, so <laughs> it is what it is. All right, anyway, three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PWC Wednesday night skirmish. And tonight, I've got a special guest host. He is the glorious. He is the professor. He is Chavello Veracruz. Thank you for joining me, man. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, Dave. You know, it's been a while anybody can you know, introduce. Not only am I glorious, but I'm also <laughs> an animus. I'm also effervescent. And I'm also scholarly. So, you know, it's been like... Um, you know, everywhere in the world, and, and they can't, you know, I hope they listen to this. I hope some people try for the last man. Yo, prof, prof, you faded away, bro. You sound real far. <laughs> there we go, there we go, there we go. <laughs> That's how glorious the professor is. I face I face the black like Alistair Black, but I come back with a thunder. <laughs> Speaking of Alistair Black, what the fuck's with the name, dude? Malachi Black. You know, there, there's some kind, I don't know if it's Greek mythology or some demon uh -huh. demon mythology, but it has to do with that. So I'm not gonna make fun. I'm not gonna make fun of the name. 
I know why he did that. And it, and the thing about what Maki Black is doing, I, I respect it because you know what? He wants to be happy. He wants to have his creative freedom. He wants to, you know, let his spread his wings and fly, whatever that case may be. So whatever happens, happens. You know, I'll say this to all the skirmites, skirmish <laughs> out there, and the rageites <laughs> on the Rational Rage Network. That's right. Now, now I'm going to say this, Jimmy. You can agree or disagree or have a different take, but you know, the 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 IWCYWC is a buzz with uh, you know, the 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 rumor, if you will, that there was some type of clerical error in Stamford, Connecticut. There was some kind of you know paperwork that wasn't you know on Vince McMahon's desk or the talent relations desk or whatever the case may be, that nobody in WWE knew that Alistair Black, aka Malachi Black, aka Tommy N, had a 30-day NXT no-compete clause. Now on the NXT side, it's 30 days, but on the main roster, it's a 90-day no-compete clause. Right. Right. So right. No, you're right. Stay with me, Jimmy. I'm, I'm just gonna. I just need you. I just need another person to, to like, make the professor feel something here. Now, right. think about this. You know, we we question everything. So the professor's questioning this. You know, the dirt sheets. You know, they said weeks ago, like people like Andrade, they got a, they had a way to get out of that 90-day no compete clause, right? Right. And W and WWE. During you know this mass exodus of people firing left and right, they there was rumors that WWE might be a little bit of not generous but a token of goodwill that they might rescind on some of these ninety day no compete clauses. Am I am I alone on that? Didn't I? No no no. I, I heard the same thing. I heard the exact oh. same thing, man. Okay, so now this is my conspiracy theory. Since you know we. Everybody's up on the conspiracy tip, you know, vaccines and the government is trying to take over the world and COVID is not a real thing. So my conspiracy here is maybe WWE uh, reduced the 90 days to the 30 days. Maybe they uh, granted Aleister Black his 30-day no-compete clause from NXT and allowed him to do what he's doing right now. But yet... Because WWE was in the news for hiring a comedy writer, and they didn't know what to do, you know, you know how stupid human resources was. Now it's easy to believe that WWE is stupid enough on the talent relations, legal department wise, to let this fall under the cracks. What say you, Jimmy T? Help me out here. Well, first of all, let's be honest here, man. I don't think they let him fall in between the cracks, man. I think he did have a 30-day no-compete clause. I mean, obviously, I mean, why else would he be would he be making an appearance on Dynamite, right? Am I wrong in saying that? Yeah. <laughs> 
No, 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 no. I, I, I agree with you. I actually agree with you, man. They wouldn't have let it fall through the cracks. No way. That's why I'm saying I think he really had a 30-day no-compete clause, man. Or, like you said before, weren't they giving out, uh, you know, they were, they were allowing wrestlers that they released to, to go ahead and wrestle in other promotions. to the show we'll get into the show but if you want to continue if you want to continue about this go ahead but before we continue prof i hear all sorts of uh interference man Uh, yeah basically i hear the 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 tornadoes going off in the background (laughs) there we go there we go there we go around bombay new jersey you know we got tropical storm no actually I'm in a tropical storm here. Elsa is in Bombay, New Jersey, as we speak right now. So you might really? be hearing tropical storm. Yep. Elsa Shit, man. is going to kick her ass. <laughs> are you, is it hot where you're, where you're at, too, while you're getting this storm? Yes. It's oh, hot, shit. It's steamy, and a, and a storm is coming. It's a triple threat here. Oh, shit. That's a bad one. But but anyway, mm-hmm. all right, look, if you want to get into the show, or you can continue about Alistair Black or Malachi Black, Tommy End. But if you want, we no, can no, start. Let's start the show. Let's start the skirmish. You know, this is this is what the skirmish skirmishites want. Let's get All into right. this. Let's get into it right here on the Rational Rage Network. So let's start. We've got our first match of the evening, which is Cody Rhodes. Wait, 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 wait Jimmy. Let, let me just let me just interrupt you. I don't I don't mean to you know right. undercut you here. Let me let me just say right. this. Here's the first mistake or faux pas that right. AEW made. Right. The beginning of Dynamite. And I know you're going to talk about uh, Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall, the Boarfest strap match. But before that, Jimmy, here's the first mistake Tony Khan made. Now, 15 it's been 15 months since there's been a sellout, Jimmy. Follow me here. 15 months. There hasn't been, you know, a crowd screaming, chanting AEW. Now, I saw this on TV. The first mistake AEW made was their introduction. They should have had the pyros going. They should have did like a Monday Night Raw, you know, when it when it was relevant back then. When you hear the music and the pyro is going, and then they pan out to the to like the eight, nine, or ten thousand people in Miami. <laughs> yeah. They right. up a beautiful chance to see a sea of people chanting AEW. What was Tony Khan thinking? <laughs> Good point. That's a great point, actually. I totally agree with you, man. I'm but you've you messed up a great chance. I know, that's true. But let, look, let's get into it. First of all, like I said, we got Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson versus Cutie Marshall with Nick Camarado and Aaron Solo in a strap match. Now, 
What can I say about this match? I mean, Excalibur stated that it was his first time calling a strap match. Marshall rolled to ringside to talk with his corner man. Rhodes dove onto Marshall and then rolled him inside the ring. The referee started the match once Rhodes had the strap attached to his wrist. i got to mention that USC stars at Manda Nunes and Jorge um, Masvidal were also in the crowd, which was great. And kind of surprising. But to, to cut a long story short, basically Cody no-sold a lot of strap shots, ends up picking up the win as we, we would have assumed he was going to win. Because when does Cody ever really lose, let's be honest. And he gets mm-hmm. and he gets the win. So what do you think of this strap match, man? Is this the end of it now? Or are we still going to get well, stupidity and these two are still going to have a match? Because you'd think this would be the blow-off, right? Well, you knew this was a blow-off even before the match even began because the introduction to AEW Dynamite was all about Cody. It was all about his entrance. It was exactly all about, right. you know, he needed he needed you know he needed to feel special here and QT Marshall was already in the ring with his minions just waiting. This this felt like Cody Rose coming into the ring to face a jobber on WWF Superstars of Wrestling. That's how it felt. And then two, you know, God bless QT Marshall and all that, but you know what? You're not that dude. We all know that he's not that dude. You know, he could say he brings in the ratings and all that stuff. I like to see these ratings that he brings in, but this was a strap match that nobody wanted to see, nobody cared for, and nobody was invested in. You tell me, you find me 10 people who was invested in a South Beach strap match, and I got a house to sell them. <laughs> I'll be honest, I couldn't care less about this match. But it is what it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The only thing interesting was when the lights went out the first time. Uh, during this match, and everybody was looking at it like, oh, somebody uh, didn't pay the light bill, or they thought that the, the tropical storm was over the uh, the Miami arena there. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, did you think anything of that? Well, you know what? Hindsight's twenty twenty. At the first time, I thought it was just, uh, I, I hear the horns. Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> and when I, I thought, you know, it only lasted for like three seconds the most. So I thought, oh, okay, it was a glitch. But, you know, the, the wheels were turning in the professor's mind because, you know, <laughs> this is what ECW did religiously. They turn off the lights and you wait for somebody to come up. But they only, but they did it for three seconds, so they made it look like it was a power outage. Right, but right. Yet we learned later on that's what it was, you know, they were selling that, the lights going off for a reason. Well, you know what? It was a good match. I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I thought, well, so I did think something was going to happen. I thought someone was going to debut. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. I didn't think uh, Tommy End was going to appear. I've got to admit, I mean, was there any reports of him even appearing on Dynamite other than what he put out on Instagram, I believe, that video that he put out announcing himself as Malachi Black? If you if you are a Twitch uh, subscriber to him, maybe he might have had some cryptic uh, channels, you know, right. cryptic episodes on his channel that, that was talking about this. But like you said, it, he just posted the cryptic tweets and the cryptic videos of himself. So that's all you had from him. But going back to this match, you know, this is a great example of how factions uh, bring the stock down of everybody. QT's boys. Because of this match, that faction, the the, the factory, is just yep. dead. 
besides Anthony Agogo, but we know that he's on borrowed time with his uh his, with his eye, eye predictable. Right. Yeah, with his eye predictament. That's all that's all you had as untapped potential. And we know he you know, again, like I said, he's on borrowed time. All the other wrestlers mean nothing. And then on the on the uh on the Cody Rhodes side, you already see that they already what happened to the black man? What's his name? The black man didn't even come in and get his revenge on, on QT's boys. It was all right. about Cody, and it was all about Dustin Rhodes. It was all about getting their thunder back. There you go. That's what factions do. And see, that bothers me, man. It kind of bothers me. I mean, does, does Cody need to be, you know, does he need to get over, man? Let's be real. I mean, look, Cody Rhodes has that Dusty Rose mentality. He he's thinking more bigger picture within the business within the business of AEW. He's thinking bigger picture of marketing. He's thinking a bigger picture with the television and all that stuff. But of course, right. he's still in his prime, so he's got to be involved with, you know, he's got to put himself in the best situation possible. But this match to start off after to start off after 15 months Right, it's you know, true. That, that's that's the problem. That's the he started the match. This, this match should not have started after 15 months from a pandemic and a sellout. That's the problem I had with it. He had to start the match. He had to start dynamite. It didn't make sense. You could have started the trio's six man to get the crowd going and being hot. That's the way I would look at it. No, I agree. Totally, totally agree. Oh, but it is what it is, man. I mean, Cody, Cody's Cody. Cody will always be doing Cody things. And and you know what? Actually, before we move on, I want to get your opinion. Do you think there's something going on? See, you know how there's rumors about the EVPs all feuding with each other and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I personally think it's Kenny and uh, and Cody that have the issues, man. Well, you know what? I I mean, everybody will have a you know everybody has their own vision on what makes their business better. Kenny has a vision of the women's uh, division. Right. Cody is not about a division. He's not about the, the heavyweight division. He's not about the tag team division. I think, you know, to be fair here, his yeah, vision fair. Is, about the, is the brand awareness of AEW. That's his focus. I think if you really look at it from that perspective, and a lot, that is what you have to do. He's looking at branding. He's looking at making sure that everybody is, uh, you know, is looking. The eyes are, are, you know, the eyes of the world is on AEW. That's the way I'm looking at it myself. That's the way he's looking at it. He he is the brand awareness himself. He is the known factor of the EVPs. If you never heard of Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks, you damn well knew Cody Rhodes because you know the Rhodes name, especially in America. I agree, man. 100%. Good point. Well, we move on to a segment between Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara. Uh, Sean Spears goes on to say that Guevara is his greatest hindrance. A chair flew into the pitcher and hit Spears. He, he wisely put his hands up just quietly. Guevara entered the pitcher, sat down on the chair and said, I got you, bitch. This is far from over. What do you think of this little segment, Prof? But you know what? I would. I've always been on that that on that kick. You know how ass backwards that the pinnacle and the inner circle rivalry went. With I agree, the man. Loss of, uh, what's it called? 
Thank you for mentioning Right. And the stadium stampede. So these are the little segments. These are the story builders that were supposed to get to that point. But since we already have the promos, yeah. this, point. this is the few that you're supposed to get. These are the promos. These are the segments that you're supposed to get. I've always said that the, the biggest weakness of the inner circle and pinnacle stuff, and especially with MJF, I don't mean to go a little bit forward. Here, no, no, no. It doesn't matter. Go. It's, all, it's all about the skits. It's all about the, the promos. And I've always, and I said this the last time I was on the skirmish. Right. They don't tell stories with matches, but here in this episode, and for the last couple of weeks, they're trying to tell stories with matches. It's just a little ass backwards, but I'm trying to forgive them for that kind of full pop. Oh, it's definitely fucking ass backwards, dude. I mean, like, come on, <laughs> like seriously, do 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 we need this shit? You know what I'm saying? Do we need... Do we, I, I feel like this blow-off should have happened at Blood and Guts, like you said. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why we're still going over here and where what we're getting at. I don't know if there's going to be a turn within the group, and I'm referring more about in the circle. Don't get me wrong. It was all right. It, it's all right. But, yeah, sorry. Continue. Right. No, no. I, I'll say this, Jimmy. I, I mean, let's be real here. I mean, we're all fans here. We're all hardcore fans. And, you know, no doubt. Dusty Road... Dusty Rhodes fought the full horseman for like four years. And True. there were blow-off matches within those. He got his wins against Ric Flair for the heavyweight title. They had war games. So, you know, and they always had these little intermixing tag team or singles matches. So I'm not blind to the fact that there's been blow-off matches during Dusty Rhodes' four-year feud with the full horseman. It's the same thing here. That's why I'm trying to say I can dismiss having the blow-off. But they, they, did, they just did it ass backwards with the way they were doing things here. That's all it is. But it is what it is, and we have to deal with it. Oh, that's that's right. That's true. Well, moving on, we get Kenny Omega next, uh, coming to the ring in a, in a little interview with Tony Schiavone, which is, which is funny. Well, Don Callis and Schiavone was dismissed by Callis, who said it was a great time for a history lesson, and you got fired. Champ broke out. Now, are they referring to the... Uh, to him getting fired by Impact Wrestling? I mean, did he really even get fired? Yeah, you know, they let the cat out the bag. You know, I, I guess you got to thank Meltzer and Alvarez for that. They, they let the cat out the bag that uh, Don Callis was let go of his uh, uh, EVP duties in Impact Wrestling. So Right. Do you think it has anything to do with AEW? Well, Don Callis, it, it, you know, he's a businessman first and foremost. and No doubt. You know what? Being involved with Kenny Omega, and I think, you know, the possibilities with all the, I guess, the forbidden door opportunities, you could say, in Mexico, Japan, AEW, you know, wouldn't you rather do that? I would. Yeah, I would too. (laughs) I would be in the main event picture, and of course, Kenny Omega is going to take care of his boy. You know, that connection is is years. No, that's true. So, you know... The wrestling business is cyclical with taking care of your boy. So if Kenny Omega has the power to take care of his boy, Don Callis, and give him a fat check, thanks to Tony Khan, <laughs> I right. do it too. Right. Well, Callis said real men don't quit. They get fired. Callis's history lesson focused on the wrestlers that Omega has beaten in AEW championship matches. Callis said there's no one left for Omega to beat. The fans responded by chanting, we want Hangman. And then as we get those chants, we get the Dark Order's music hitting. 
and everyone's favorite friggin' evil one, evil Uno, comes out. He <laughs> he gets Alex he ain't Reynolds. My yeah, I know. Well, I was being sarcastic, but yeah, he, he gets Alex Reynolds to hold his jacket, and then he went to the ring alone while the other members stood on the stage. Uno asked Omega why he was ignoring the crowd and why he's so afraid of Hangman Page. Omega stated started stated to respond and was interrupted by a crowd chanting cowboy shit. Omega asked Uno what the capital of Thailand is, which this is brilliant, I gotta say. <laughs> and, and and what do we get? The answer, the answer is Bangkok and kicks him right in between the nuts. I mean, dude, I mean, how good was that spot? I mean, I popped it, I popped to that man. I think that was great. You know, I think we had this back and forth on the skirmish, and I, I remember you saying that you wasn't like, you know, you wasn't feeling the Kenny Omega American prick. And I, try, right. and I try to tell you that, you know, you have to separate your your, your fondness for Kenny Omega from New Japan. Right, right. American-style <laughs> Kenny Omega, and this is what we're getting. This is, you know, a natural heel, and, and this is the perfect role for him. This no, feels organic. Sure. There's, a very, there's a big difference, and then we'll talk about the difference between what Kenny Omega is doing and the Young Bucks is doing. What Kenny Omega is doing is, like I said, you pop... I popped too because this is what he was, you know, this is what he was built for in America. This is what people wanted to see. And, you know, people complain because they're, they're born to complain for everything. You oh, know, no when doubt. Kenny Omega was, when Kenny Omega wasn't the champion, people said that Kenny Omega wasn't being used right. And now Kenny Omega's the champion. Now people say now Kenny's hogging the spotlight for other people. You're damn if you do, you're damn if you don't. Oh, but yeah, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, I agree. Right. But for this situation, he needs to be the champion. He needs to be the prick. He's got a great agitator behind him with uh, Don Callis. He's got a great gopher with Michael Nakazawa. And he's got great goons with the Good Brothers. So everything with this formula works to a T. And then I'll say this. <laughs> Go I'm going to say this because, because you know, it needs to be said. Hangman Adam Page... His character and the stories before the before like the first sellout, he suffered in my humble opinion. He suffered because of the pandemic. Oh, and definitely. You saw in, in this one skit, in this one promo, again, eight, nine, ten thousand people chanting cowboy shit. He needed fans in the building to remind the TV audience why they're so high on that Adam Page. And, you know, you can't, you know, wash the stain of what he did before the pandemic, you know, during the pandemic. I still think the Dark Order is not a good uh, mixture with him. I, I, I still understand why. But, you know, cowboy shit is a man like a, with a stone cold attitude. He drinks beer, he drinks liquor, <laughs> and, he's, and, he's a, and he's a rough, he's a badass dude. But during the pandemic, you know... You don't drink because you want to drown your problems away. That's the way it looked to me. So you didn't look yeah, like yeah, a Yeah, John Absolutely. And, and, again, just... now, and now no, this continue. promo. Oh, I'm sorry. And now, and I'll close this. Now this promo that we saw, now the Dark Order, you know, get him out of the way and let him fight the gauntlet of all the people to get to that match against him and Kenny Omega at All Out, if, that, if, if that's where they want to go. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because, first of all, Kenny has been in Hangman, so I don't know why they're saying 
there's one man you haven't beaten. But it is what it is. But I also want to say, I thought personally, now I don't know if, if AEW is just a lot smarter than I give him credit for, and I'm looking at TK in particular, right? And this is a long sort of, you know, driven storyline. Like, I'm sure you saw the posts online on social media, how one dude on Twitter sort of put everything together and said, this is storytelling. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I, I kind of like, I don't want to dismiss it, but, you know, that's, when you try to add Japan to your AEW storyline, you lose me there. Because Yeah, uh, 100%. Again, how hard, I mean, I understand how hardcore you have to be, but AEW did not do this storyline, and you have to remember Japan. That's just people being a hardcore fan trying to sell us why this yeah. match will be important. I well, don't you need know, him. I don't need people that remind me. I remember seeing it myself, but that doesn't mean the match is big. Remember, again, the stain of the Dark Order, the stain of him being, a, you know, you know, a, a depressed drunk still yeah. is on Adam Page. So, right. like I said, now you, you kind of wash the stink off and the crowd brings him back up. Will he win the title? I don't think so. I you really, you don't think so? Nope. What what mm. only he will do is kick out of the one winged angel once. And it will Ugh. take three. It will take three one winged angels. I'm saying it on the skirmish. This is the way I feel. It will take it will be that new Japan kind of fight. It will take yep. three one winged angels and he will defeat Adam Page and keep the title. I hope you're right, because I, I, I think Kenny should win. Whether I think he will win is another story, but See, personally, me, I've, I've said this on previous, I've said this for months, and I, don't, and I don't think TK is as smart as we should, you know, that we think, right? Because I, I just don't buy it, like you said, right? So I think he's in this position and was in this position because AEW themselves didn't know what to do with fucking Hangman Page. So they, they've put him with, with Dark Order just to keep him in some sort of storyline, but at the same time trying to figure out what to actually do with Hangman Page going forward. And that's what I think this this shit is until now. Yeah, yeah I, I can go, I can understand where you're going with it, but also remember the biggest storyline is what they do and what who they are. Their ranking. He's the number one contender. Right. So that's all. Right, that's an easy out. Whether it's the storyline or not, he's the he's the legit number one contender no matter what. So Kenny Omega has got to is contractually obligated to fight the top five. And he's the number one contender. Well, I hope Kenny does win because I just, yeah, I just want him to have a, a, I know he's had a long run as it is, but I really want him to have a long-winded run. And I don't care what anybody says. He was so conjuring Triple H circa 05, 06 evolution mm-hmm. version, man. This is what this is. This is a parody of fucking Triple H in many ways. Not exactly, but like he said it himself last week. I woke up feeling like a clean, uh, like a king. You know what I mean? So, I mean, come on. The hints were there. But, yeah, I hope you're right, Prof, because I really do hope Kenny does beat him. But if he does beat him, where do you go from there with Hangman? Well, you know, it depends on how you look at this organization, which they're in a quandary. And right. a lot of people don't want to understand this concept. But you got to build up legit opponents for Kenny Omega. Because Kenny Omega could have a five-star or a six-star or seven-star match with anybody. On with the anybody. Roster. 100%. But, but you need 
valuable, you know, valuable contenders. Uh, Adam Page is a valuable contender. Orange Cassidy, I'm sorry to tell people this, and you know, if you want to come at the professor, it's PWSOPROF on my (laughs) but Orange Cassidy wasn't that dude. Orange Cassidy is not a top contender. Jungle Boy is not a top contender, and you know why they're not top contenders? You know why they're not top contenders? Is because (laughs) after after you have your match with greatness i.e. Kenny Omega, after you have that match with greatness, where do these guys go? Jungle Boy is now, you know, he's got to stay on that momentum train, Jimmy, and that <laughs> roster does not give him the opportunity to. The only person that can make Jungle Boy even over is Christian Cage, and he's got something else he's doing right now. So once he right. fi- you know, finishes his supposed feud with Matt Hardy, maybe Christian Cage will you know, turn heel and give Jim, uh, Jungle Boy the rub that he needs to be this untapped potential kid that everybody believes in. Ars Cassidy, uh, do we remember that he beat uh, Chris Jericho in the Mimosa match? His uh, biggest win? What has right. he done since his biggest? What has he done since his biggest win? And then he gets his match with Kenny Omega in the Triple Threat. But to me, it just felt like a filler. It felt like a Saturday Night's main event. Yeah. It felt like a Clash of Champions match. It felt like a main event on Raw or Nitro at the end of the show. That's why he's not that dude. So, proceed, Jimmy. What? <laughs> and that's why you're the professor, my man, because you're spot on. I totally agree with you 100%. I, I'm just saying, I just call it like I see it. You know, Jungle Boy, and, and again, I, I'll just say this. Jungle Boy needs to change his name to Jungle Jack Perry or Jungle. <laughs> I don't know what what is his real name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got it. Jack, Jack. You got it right the first okay. time. <laughs> yeah. Jungle Jack Perry needs to get away from the Jurassic Express. And again, you got another match. If you if you want him to fight Luchasaurus to get you know to get credibility, then so be it. Get away from that stain of Marco Stunt. Get away from that buffoonery of the Jurassic Express. Their tag team division is deep, supposedly, so that you can you can sacrifice a team for the betterment of your organization, i.e. Jungle Boy. That's what absolutely, you do. absolutely agree with you 100%. Well, anyway, we move on. We get a pre-taped segment that aired earlier with Jim Ross interviewing Ethan Page and W. Allen backstage. Ross said he found it disturbing that both men were talking about ending each other's career. He asked what happened between them in the past to create such animosity. Allen said his first year in wrestling was Page's 12th. He said he was homeless and living in his car. Allen said it wasn't his fault that Page was married with kids and never left his hometown. Allen said Page was big fish in a small pond and he couldn't stand that Allen made it to AW before he did. Page then goes on to say he plucked Allen from obscurity and he'd probably still be living in his car if it wasn't for him. Page said he brought Allen into the, into the business and will take him out next week when they meet in the coffin match. So, what do you think of this little promo? I actually liked it. I thought Ethan Page absolutely killed this promo, man. I I like the promo, but there's a problem here. But and what's that? It's, it, it's just me nitpicking. No, it's that's again, fine. It's again for the 800 to 950k fans that know AEW yeah. or that right. know the history, because basically this sit down promo is for people who have seen Darby Allen and Ethan Page fight on the independent scene. They've had right, more. I, 
I, I believe true. it was evolved. It was evolved. It was. It was. It was. Because I've, I've seen those matches like on the Evolve channel or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. It definitely happened that's, on Evolve. That's where, we, that's where we're going with this storyline. But again, TK is just play, playing to the crowd that already knows. So that's and that's fine. the problem. If that's the business formula, then so be it. But you can hear what he said, and I'm not. I'm not saying that it, I agree with you. The pro, the segment was good. I liked it. Right. But the problem is, how do you gain new viewers when it's almost like you know you're late to the party? That's the way it goes <laughs> with me. That's true. Oh, I agree, one hundred percent, man. I mean, look, man, and that's the problem with AEW throughout throughout its time. I mean, they expect everybody to know what the fuck is going on. Not everybody knows what's happening. And I dare say a lot of their fans, right, because it is going by my interactions online with them. A lot of them are new wrestling fans too, man, believe it or not, that have just been getting into it since AEW. Well, the, the old saying is, is like like our boy Chris Am said, the laps fan. Right. The lap fan yeah. hasn't you know been watching for ten years, and then you expect them to know everything. You gotta you get a crash course. So that's the uh, that's the other problem. But look at the look at it this way with this sit down promo. Ethan Page, you know, we can agree this dude can talk. Definitely. We can agree that this guy has a great presence. He's got great charisma. And he owned it. He owned it to, for me to care. Now, Darby Allen, on the other hand, again, where do you want to go with it? Is he the enigma, the dark <laughs> enigma, or is he jackass? Or is he a jackass uh, stuntman? You know what I mean? Right, right, make, right. You no. gotta make a, You got to make that decision for me, AEW. You got to make a decision for me, TK, because a coffin match, and I think you saw this. I said this on the PWS uh, page. I said... Right. Darby's not Undertaker, so why are we having a coffin match? This is ah, man, thank you. Thank you. I've been fucking saying the same thing. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, why? Unless we're having Undertaker or me and Mark Calloway debuting. You know what I mean? What's the fucking and, point of this shit? And Sting never did a coffin match. Exactly. He, a, he, did, he did an Inferno match. I'll give you True. that. If you want to do an Inferno match where you want to burn up and Darby can burn, <laughs> burn to a crisp, on AEW television, <laughs> then go ahead, have oh, at it. Shit. But that's what Sting did. He never did a coffin match. He did an Inferno match. He did a first blood match. You want to do that? Cool. Do that. You know, you want to do the, the Sting stuff? Go ahead, but watch Sting tapes because Sting didn't do a coffin match. That's all I'm just going to say about that. Yeah, 100%, man. And, and you know who's suffering in all of this, to be honest? It's Scorpio Sky, man. To tell me he doesn't look exposed since he's been with Ethan Page. You know what? They they ru- I'm not gonna say they ruined him because you know then people will say Professor, you don't know about the long term storytelling they do with Scorpio. Oh, Shack. get the you fuck know, out of here! There is no long term storytelling. There's just the push. Is he getting exactly. the push now? No, he's not getting the push. He got a heel turn. He got his title match. You know, for the TNT title. He did not, you know, he did not cash in. And now, if they're going to be tag team champions later on in a couple of months, then so be it. But that's all he's good for. He's a tag team wrestler. And they just, right. you know, that's his value in AEW. He's just a good hand, like, like they would say. You know what I'm saying? He's a good hand. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he really looks exposed, you know, in terms of 
Like, Ethan Page is obviously on a different level to Scorpio Sky. And don't get me wrong, I like Scorpio Sky, right? But I felt like all these pushes they tried to give him was all for nothing. Like, when he won the Sonic the Hedgehog ring, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, where did they go from there, really? You know, he lost. So, right. you know, it, it, it is what it is, whatever. It, if, I, if I was AEW, I'd just split them up and let them do their individual thing anyway. But whatever, you know what I mean? What, what do you do? Time will tell. That's right. What say. Time will tell. Well, but anyway, we miss- the, the, fa- the fans are patient, supposedly. They're, not, they're oh, yeah. not as quick to dismiss things like they do on the other shows on Monday and Friday nights. But go ahead, Jimmy. I, I, <laughs> no, you're right. That, well said. Well, we move on to the next match, which is Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz with Conan versus Warlow, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler with Tully Blanchard. And uh, I don't know, man. This This was a bit of a... I don't want to say a clusterfuck, but, you know, this match was just all over the place. It was a typical sort of trios match. And then we get, uh, you know, Wardlow, Dax Hardwood, and Cash Wheeler getting the win. Obviously, the pinnacle. And I just want to say, what's the point of being called the pinnacle if you've got no fucking titles to be called that? Well, I mean, you just need a name to brand and trademark. So it just rolled off the tongue for MJF. So I'm not going to, you know you take points away for that. But again, just like we talked about with the Sammy Guevara and Spears promo, this is the storytelling that you had to do ass backwards to get to the payoffs that already just happened. So this is your building blocks for a war, you know, that's going to continue. But again, I'm going to be a little bit biased here because you know me, Jimmy, FTR is my team. They're, right. they're the greatest tag team in the, in the past five years. And, and, and their style their chemistry, and being associated with Tully Blanchard is par excellence. So we know oh, where sure. this is going. We know where this is going. They're going to have a tag team match, probably at all, or whatever, the Fighter Fest or whatever. We see this coming. FTR, Santana Ortiz. These are two teams in this deep tag team division. Ever since FTR lost the tag team titles, we haven't even heard that they're the number one contenders. <laughs> That's true. Good point. LAX, and, you know, they get a shot oh, here God. and there. But right. again, they, they just haven't been. These are two teams that can carry a tag team division, and I just don't feel it because they're trapped in a faction. That's a yeah. big negative about factions, <clears throat> too, because everybody is represented in a faction, good or that- bad. And that's what's annoying me, dude. I mean, I know they're probably trying to go that New Japan route where everyone has to be in a fucking faction, but they're not doing it the way New Japan does it. You know what I'm saying? So to me, this is just a mess. Like, I don't know where you go. Unless they're going to have a Survivor Series type of pay-per-view in the future. I don't know what the fuck is the point with all this shit. I mean, really. I mean, it's just silly. But in saying that, can I ask you a serious question now, Professor? Shoot. All right. Now... We can both agree that MJF is a fucking one of the best young talent in all of professional wrestling, if not the best. True? That is true. All right. Now, now let's, let's see. Let's see. Just say you and I now we're in the pinnacle, okay? Now, we're, we're obviously a lot older than MJF because he's basically a kid. Now, I, what I don't understand is why would a bunch of 30 to 40-year-olds take fucking orders from a punk-nosed, snot-nosed kid like MJF. This is what's never really made sense to me 
in the pinnacle as a whole. Like, am I wrong in saying that? You can disagree, obviously, but I just feel it's kind of weird and silly. I understand your analogy, but let's go back into the wrestling forte here. MJF is is rich. So when you're rich, you got money. So money talks and people will leap, will follow if you pay him well. So we have to assume that he's rich enough to pay these guys and a nominal fee to hang around with him, and then he promises them fortune and fame. So I can go with the age, with that age difference. Money is a is a contributing factor. Number one. Number two. Okay. Right. Is again the faction rule. You just have to have people. You have to have dudes aligning with each other. And the one thing that AEW is going to do in in a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months is introduce the trios titles. So, We've been hearing that, right? Yeah. So you're you're seeing, you know, you're seeing those Easter eggs. This match is an Easter egg of future, of a future trios championship type of match, and we got to see which trios is going to have the, the chemistry and which trios we're going to be invested in. Besides Death Triangle, which it was anointed they would do it, the Elite <laughs> that would, you know, Kenny Omega and and the Young Bucks to do, you know, to be a trios tag team. We already know that's going to be happening soon. And, of course, you right. got Cody, Dustin, and whoever's going to be in the Cody Rhodes army to be a trio. So, you know, that's what's going to happen eventually. But we have to see it from that perspective. But then but going back to MJF, he's, he's, he has, he has the, the, the swagger to convince older men to do things. And as long as the money's flowing and as long as the wins keep happening – which it did with this trios match, they won. That's all on MJF. That's all praises to MJF. He all right, so basically, so you're telling me basically that if it, if it wasn't, if the money ain't around, they're basically, so they're basically, the Pinnacle's using MJF for, for his money then, basically. They're protecting him as long as they, that he pays them. And do you see what's wrong right. with that sort of picture, right? Then that's not a true sort of, I don't know, man, maybe I'm nitpicking, man. And because the thing is, I am a big fan of MJF. No, no, I hear you. But remember, I I got to go with my pro wrestling reflection mode here. So bear with me, Jimmy. But Million Dollar Man Ted Ted DiBiase had the Million Dollar Corporation. And he paid everybody. You saw the hundreds. He showed the hundreds. So as long as the hundreds keep coming and he puts you in positions of championships and main events... That's all that matters. Well, another thing that annoys me about the Pinnacle, I know they want to be the fucking Four Horsemen so bad to the point where they even remixed the Four Horsemen theme from WCW. You know what I'm talking about, right? You can hear the mm, yeah. Four Horsemen I mean, sort of... It. Yeah, yeah. You can say that. Like, if you, if you watched old school WCW, you, you know they remixed the freaking Four Horsemen theme, right? And on top like of that, they flex, even... The flex re- like yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got the tunnel fucking the pinnacle version, you know, the pinnacle version. But uh yeah, basically even they stole the colors, you know, the purple. But you know, that, that's what annoys me too cuz I know they want to be the four horsemen so bad, but ah, it is what it is. I'm just nitpicking, so it's not really a gripe, it's just a nitpick, but we'll move on anyway because but they but they can't get to four horsemen status until MJF is the AEW champion. Until Sean Spears, and this is the mistake, is the TNT champion, and until <laughs> FTR is once again 
tag team tag. champions. Then exactly. you're talking full horseman dominance there. Well, I'm glad you brought up Sean Spears. You're not really a fan of him. You're not feeling him. Hell no, I haven't been. I haven't felt him since he lost to Cody Rhodes. <laughs> what about when he was Ty Dillinger? Uh, he he was a one gimmick pony. Sand that was all. Oh, interesting, interesting. All right. Well, next we move on to a to a, a video package that was hyping up the upcoming IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match between Moxley. And Carl Anderson. And you know what, man? I'm actually kind of looking forward to this match, weird enough. I know Mox will probably win. But still, it should be interesting, man. Because I'd like to see Carl Anderson get pushed more in a singles run, man. Yeah, I think a lot of people, again, this is a, uh, for hardcore fans. They know that the New Japan history of Carl Anderson and his, uh, uh, his great performances in the G1 Climaxes. Again, the Bullet uh, Bullet Club founder, you could say, right. one of yep, the original no leaders of the Bullet Club. So you could one hundred percent off of that. And but again, if I'm going to nitpick, the IWGP United States Championship has just not been as valuable as it needed to, as it should have been. But again, the pandemic fucked it up. And then two right. just philosophical differences to me. I just thought that uh, the first champion should shouldn't have been Kenny Omega. That first time, that was just my own opinion. I thought to make that title more relevant, but it was it was about that forbidden door relationship in my head. I might be wrong yeah. about this, but remember yeah. when Kenny Omega won it, but then when Ring of Honor was part of that deal? Yeah, I didn't know that about it. Jay Lethal should have won it, in my, in my opinion, because then ROH could have kept the title in the United States and made it feel big by having True. title matches in their organization and then going over to Japan to defend it but that's just the way it felt but they did it backwards and they kept it they kept they had a united states title being defended in japan just never made no sense to me yeah yeah i agree with that but we know new New japan wanted to have the united states title defended here in america when they were touring here so you know it is what it is no i agree with you 100 percent. but then we move on to to the next segment which was a lot of segments tonight actually funny enough well not tonight but on wednesday night Mm -hmm. And we get MJF making his way to the ring. And Chris Jericho makes his way to the ring. With with a table and two chairs, MJF healed on the fans and spoke about how Jericho was waiting to know what his stipulation was. Jericho said he should have let that fat bastard come in here and beat your ass, referring to something that happened during the break, which was that that fan that ran into the ring. Right. Jericho said he would take it. Yeah, apparently the drunk. Jericho said he would take any stipulation to get MJF in the ring, including having sex with MJF's mother, which was great. I love that. And then he said having sex again with the mother. Jericho added, after a long pause, funny, MJF healed on Jericho and the fans. Jericho got fired up and said he would beat MJF the way he tried to ruin his. MJF recalled Jericho making John Moxley face every member of the inner circle and said, come as a bitch. MJF said Jericho would face four wrestlers with stipulations of his choosing, and Jericho must win back-to-back-to-back-to-back matches. MJF said that if Jericho could get through those four, then he would get his match with him. Jericho signed the contract and went to leave, but MJF stopped stopped him. MJF had Jericho shake on it. Jericho shook MJF's hand and didn't let it go. Jericho spun around and hit the Judas Effect elbow, which MJF sold by acting like he was knocked out cold. Not to mention all the Greek God stuff that he was also mentioning, which... Funny, made me think of a certain wrestler, 
which would be perfect if you if you was in AEW to debut on that, but it, it is what it is. But this was silly. Why would MJF want to shake Jericho's hand just for Jericho to fucking drop him anyway? I mean, how dumb is that? Well, again, this is this is what they do. This is what MJF is good for. You know, the promos, the the talking, but the skits. It's another skit to get right. to a certain point. This is one of the biggest. Uh, Weaknesses of the Pinnacle uh, Inner Circle rivalry is there's less matches to tell a story to get to something else, but then these promos happen. And let right. me just say this about MJF because there is a weakness of MJF. And I know what you're gonna say people, here, right? <laughs> people, people probably will not even think about it or dismiss it or think I'm just shilling for the WWE. But no, guys, I'm not shilling. This is just what I see. <laughs> right. M- MJF needs to watch Rowdy Piper videos of him in 84 and 85. Needs to watch videos of Dr. D's David Schultz because the <laughs> psychology in the ring sucks. Big time. Tell Thank me, you. Thank me, you very much. I knew you were going to say that. Tell me an MJF match in AEW. Tell me an MJF match in MLW. That is so memorable. I'll wait, guys. You Dude, come at me. you hit the motherfucking nail on the head to a T. I said this on the skirmish last week when it happened. I mean, man, I felt he got exposed in that match with Sammy Guevara. He really did. He mm. got exposed, and the match went way too long for MJF to even participate in. He shouldn't be in these long-hearted sort of matches unless... He gets his psychology down pat, like you said, man. Mm-hmm. Like he really—that's his weakness. And look, I'm sure he'll—he will learn in time. Because really, his in-ring work is not his strong suit. But if he had the psychology down pat, then really that shouldn't be a problem. Because look at Cody. Cody ain't the best worker in the ring. Let's be real. But mm-hmm. he understands the psychology. So right. you know, if he understands the psychology, he can get by having you know a sort of crappy match because he understands everything else. But in MJF's case, he really needs to start learning the ropes. And like you said, maybe go and see a Schultz, uh, you know, match or a Roddy Piper match. Well, I know he's a fan of Roddy Piper's. That I know for sure. But maybe he needs to learn a little bit more because he ain't perfect. He's great at everything else, but he needs to work yeah. on his psychology, no doubt about it, in-ring psychology anyway. So that I agree there's with him 100%. Old, there's, there's an old saying, less is more, and he needs exactly. to do less. To bring out more of the match because what he did last week against Sammy Guevara is he taught Sammy's match. That's not what MJ Right, exactly. Right, right. For Sammy Guevara, he needs to adapt to an MJF style psychology and then, you know, you know, pick his pick his poison on what heist flipping shit he needed to do. But yet it just looked like MJF was just going through the motions. And doing high impact moves, and it just doesn't make sense. He needs one hundred percent psychology down, and he would be ten times better. And people, if people don't understand that, because they just love flippy shit, then they're not really good fans because they don't no, understand no, no that he he can do so much more. The talking no is doubt. there, the charisma is there. He said it himself. This is twenty five years we're gonna see him. And in 25 years, you know, he'll have his points where he's going to be a babyface. But his matches, he's got to adapt to the psychology of his matches. He just doesn't do that. 
Yeah, no, no doubt. And people don't want to fucking point that shit out. You know what I mean? And it's annoying. It's it's frustrating. People think he's the best thing since sliced bread. Don't get me wrong. The kid's great. All right? I can't remember a kid at his age that understood the business so well that, like, he did. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he gets it, right? He fucking gets it. But he does have weaknesses. And, and he needs to work on it. And he's still young. And I'm sure he will he will learn it. He will he will get there. We just got to give the kid a, some more time. Let the kids learn. He's not ready for a world title run, no matter what what anyone says. He's just not, right? But he's not that far off. But again, he's one of those credible threats for a world title. No, off. and that's awesome. That's, and, and he should stay like that for another year, say. You know what I mean? In my opinion, anyway. Yes. I, I could be wrong. But, you know, I just feel, you know, like you said, day, learn a bit more, man. Right, the right. part is make it more important. That's what it is. But, no doubt about it. And to be fair, to be fair to MJF, I don't think last week was his fault. This goes down to to TK and, and AEW as a whole. That's It's their fault, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. for exposing him. But well, it is know, what again, it is. If the, if, if the young guys don't want to listen to Cody or JR or Shivani, when they just not – when, you know, there's a difference between the words criticizing and critical. Critical right. is nice. Criticizing it's is true. just making you feel smaller. So if they feel like they're criticizing, no, they're being critical. They're trying to help. There's a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And speaking of Shivani, we move on to the next segment with Baker, DMT. And, uh, yeah, we, we had a nice little fucking promo. It was all, It was all good. I just want to bring up, though, I, I, actually, I did pop about the big D, just quietly, mm-hmm. and people are starting to wonder: Is Britt Baker and Adam Cole baby having a little drama? Are they on the verge of splitting up? Also, what's starting to disturb me a little bit here: I know Shivani has always been known to get along with all the girls in the back. All right, this goes back to his WCW days. He's always been known to get along with all the women. The women look at him like a big teddy bear. You know, he's always friend-zoned. I don't think he's trying to get anywhere. But in saying that, did you see what was posted on social media, I think, today, with him and Britt Baker having a drink? Oh, I didn't see that, but, uh, yeah, that's hilarious. You know, Shivani is, you know, a southern boy. He's committed. He's got his wife. He's got his three children. I forget how many children. He's got five. (laughs) Oh, he's got five. Yeah. So he doesn't need any more. He doesn't need any more babies like Nick Cannon is having babies. He doesn't need outside <laughs> babies. So, you know, it, but he's just make he's just like having fun with the marks to even you know, kind of like even question or wonder the thing. But let me go back to the Britt Baker promo. You know, she took some shots with WWE, the Saudi Arabia thing. Oh yes, yes, I forgot to mention the Saudi Arabia and, deal, which is gonna put Cole in the shit house, man. Come on. Yeah, it could. Well, he's in NXT, so it won't put him in the shit house because you don't Triple think so. You don't his, think? No, that's his baby. Oh, interesting. When he, goes to, when he goes to when he goes to the main roster, maybe he'll lose to uh, Ray Mysterio or R Truth, but that's a different story. For uh, more than likely, R Truth than Ray Ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but he's not in the shit house in NXT. But I'll say this: you know, everybody wanted Britt Baker. You know, she deserves to be the champion. She's worked hard. In the, in the oh, WWE. definitely. She really has, man. She sucked level. before that. Right, right. But but here's the problem. You know, when you like a heel, 
and this is the trappings of, of even the heels themselves. Do you want me to feel to be invested in Britt Baker to cheer for her against Bala Rose? Because it kind of takes right away from exactly what she does. It kind of takes away from what Rebel offers. Rebel or Reba, I forget how they call her. But, Rebel, uh, not Reba. That's just, whatever, whatever. But you get my point, Jimmy. It, it just I takes get you. away from how you want to, you know, present Britt Baker because she's great as the heel. She's great as the agitator. She's brilliant as the heel, right? Right. So when you have a Karoshita or Big Swole or Red Velvet chasing Britt Baker, that's fine and dandy. But when when you got the Nyla Rose trappings, she's got to turn into the you know the good girl. She's got to turn into the hero, and but she's not. Even the promos is not heroish. It's tweener to where you want to go with that because because no one wants to see Nyla Rose become champion again. We are hell no. agree with that. Oh yeah, you know, definitely. But here's the quandary, Jimmy. Here's the quandary. I mean, Nyla Rose is part of the community, the LGBTQ <laughs> community. So you got, you know, if she's not winning that belt or she's not in the main event scene, you know that community will tell TK, what are you doing? You're sexist. You're sexist. Hey, but you know what's funny about that, dude? I don't know if you realize this, right? And I'm sure you probably do. But she's not totally, or he, she, whatever you want to fucking call him or hear her. Sorry, no offense. Right, mm-hmm. to any of our listeners, but I just want to say, she is not even totally gay. She's bi. She's into guys and girls, which is kind of wow, disturbing okay. in some ways. Yeah, she came out and said that, man. So that's that, that's a fact, which is kind of disturbing because, you know, if she swings both ways and she's in the women's division, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a bit weird to me. But in you saying know, that, I, you know, I'm gonna, I don't. Let's just, I'm just going to leave this little joke here for you. But I'm put, <laughs> yeah. you know, close your eyes right now, Jimmy. Do me this favor. Close your eyes. <laughs> All right. And picture Nyla Rose. And, no. And know this. Nyla Rose <laughs> is the only one no, no. That, can do a, that can do a DP in the bed. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I just want to do one thing. <laughs> I, I, I had to do that because Prof, that was the that was the call of the <laughs> that was the call of the night, bro. That was brilliant. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that that was a big dudum. But anyway, I've got no comment. I've got no comment with that other than to agree with you because I'm sure she can fuck herself. But anyway, moving right along, we've got Andrade El Idolo, the idol, with Vicky Guerrero versus Matt Seidel. Now, look, I'll I'll call the match. Andrade wore a black mask during his entrance. He took offensive control and they cut to a a picture-in-picture break. Seidel caught Andrade in a crucifix pin for a near fall. Andrade came right back with a lariat that turned Seidel inside out. Seidel came right back with a meteora from the ropes and got another two count. Andrade took offensive control and hit Seidel with a double knees in the corner. Andrade followed up with a hammerlock DDT and scored the pin. Now, before we talk about the match, I've noticed a lot of people online 
don't understand, and, and including Bin Hamin, shout outs to Bin. Obviously, he doesn't know Andrade's Los Ingebernables history in Mexico, not to mention La Sombra, because I was, I was listening to the Friday locker room this morning, my time this morning, or you know what I mean? It was late anyway. And, right. you know, they were, they were all saying how they didn't like his attire, how he's got the, you know, the rip, the rip off um, suit. And, you know, for people, in case people don't know why he looked the way he looked, well, first of all, it was because of his history with Los Ingobernables de Mexico, right? And the mask symbolizes his former character when he used to be known as La Sombra. So I just want to right. put it out there. But but what do you think of his debut? Oh, okay. Now, if this was Monday Night Raw and this was Andrade Cien Almas versus Evan right. Yeah. You know how many comments we would get how boring this match is? Uh, Raw <laughs> is dead. Raw is bore. That's all I got to say because <gasps> I, no disrespect. Oh, but that's how, people, that's how people are. That, that's how people no, are. No, you're right. You're right. And, and they just play to their you know their strengths. But right. Here's a, here's a problem I have with this match. It went on too long even for Andrade to make a statement. Because they wanted to protect Matt Seidel because for some strange reason, I don't I don't know what he does in AEW Dark or Dark Elevation, but he had an, he racked up enough wins and supposedly quality wins, which I kind of find laborious. <laughs> I Google that word laborious. And he's the number five contender. He is Absolutely. not a number five he is not a number five contender. This should have been a squash match. This should have shown La Sombra, like you just said. And, and again, there's the trappings. You know La Sombra's uh, history. You know right. Los Ingobernables. I can't even say it because I'm tongue-tied right now. But you know that <laughs> yeah. history very well. Right, right. That's the, that's the problem. You know it, and you almost, it's almost like you're mad at people that don't know it. Because I am. I actually people, am. <laughs> right. And, and the way he was dressed... He looked like a Los Bariqua from 1998. <laughs> Shit. That's the problem, too. The <laughs> no. mask was hot. I, I love the mask. I love the suit. But once right. he took the, 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 the shirt off and had the pants and with the belt, <laughs> you look like Los Bariquas. So yeah, that surprised me. To, so if you want that hardcore fandom in me, that's all I'm remembering. And Los Bariquas, that was a faction that sucked. So just, I'm just keeping it a hundred with you. Hey, he you're Puerto Sombra, Rican, dude, and you can right, say that. He, so he wasn't La Sombra. He was Savio <laughs> Vega taking a loss. Oh, away. oh no! Oh, <laughs> Prof, you're the. I love you, man. That was that was another good call. In saying that, in saying that, you're right. Look, the match wasn't up to their normal standards. You know, people expect were expecting high flying. I actually didn't mind the match. It was a wrestling match. And when I say that, it was slow and methodical. That's probably why people were bitching about it. But that's fine. I mean, look, Andrade looked jacked, dude, this time. He looked way more jacked than he usually did. He looks great. No, no he looked good. I, I, I like what he did. You know, he did his moves, the, the flip splash. I love right. it. But the wrong, it was the wrong opponent. Yeah, I, I agree. The, 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 the opponent that they should have picked for Andrade's squash match debut, what's his name? He's a masked man. Serpentico? Oh, yeah, Serpentico. Right, right. No, or, yeah, you're right. Or, 
Fuego's that's the those soul or something. Right, right. Yeah, it is him too. One of those two guys should have just got a dynamite call up and just took the L and made Andrade look like a million bucks. That's what you do. Instead, yeah. they wanted to do the Matt Seidel thing to prove a point and protect Seidel and to give credence to why he's the number five contender. That's a TK problem there too. It doesn't make sense, dude. Uh, again, like you're right, he should have squashed motherfuckers, right? Even fucking Matt Seidel should have squashed the motherfucker, dude. Like you're spot on, 100%. If I was on Jada, I would have put my foot down during, you know, the, the booking committees in the back and shit while they're discussing this match. Because mm-hmm. if you want to push him to be the, the face of, of Latinos, the face of possibly AEW, and if he wants to go for an AEW world title, well, guess what? He's only ranked fifth. Whoopity whoop. Right. You know, so where do you go from tra- here? That, that, right. That was the, the problem that they did because of the, the opponent that they chose right. to make that uh, introduction. And also maybe, this is a, another conspiracy theory, but maybe if Selena Vega could have been, you know, with her as, you know, another uh, surprise for AEW right. Dynamite with fans, maybe that's what they wanted to do, but... The, you know, WWE pulled the rug out of them. So who knows? Well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just putting that out there. And WWE probably did re-sign her for that exact reason, like you just said. But in saying that, I would actually rather Selena De La Renta be his, be his manager because I think that would be an even better pairing than even oh, Zelina yeah. Vega. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, so Either or, not Vicky Guerrero. That, that just no, fuck no. His, his stock down too much because then it makes him into a comedy act because of what Vicky offers with her uh, character. That's yeah, that's silly. Just... How silly. Why, why pair him together? Because she's Mexican and so is he? I mean, come on, I man. So. I mean, I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. And another thing that bothered me about that match well, was wait, him doing the three don't, amigos. Don't you know, wait, Jimmy, don't you know prison rules? You got to stick with your own. That, that's what it oh, is. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're right. We're in AEW where prison rules are come into effect, right? So you got to stay with your own. Right, right. Well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, after the match, Scalabar noted that Andrade defeated the fifth-ranked wrestler. Andrade removed his belt and used it while putting Seidel in a submission hold, and that was that. El Idalo wins the match. Now, we get a video package next that aired on the Matt Hardy and Christian feud which was set for next week's Dynamite. And this is fucking... I mean, God, man, do we really need to see a Matt Hardy-Christian Cage match? Well, you know, people are pissed that Raw shows repetition every week. Right. This is 20 years in the making, so... (laughs) Yeah. Hypocrisy (laughs) is always funny with me in terms of repetition, so you don't don't mind seeing the 20-year feud on AEW Dynamite, but you damn well will complain about seeing, like, Drew McIntyre fight for the time you know going for an opportunity for the wwe title so again pick your poison uh iwc iwc <laughs> well then we move on to Arn anderson who was interviewed by shivani inside the ring Anderson spoke about being back on the road and missing the fans the lights went out when they turned on tommy end formerly known as alistair black was in the ring and dropped anderson with a black mask kick which looked brilliant to me and and then Cody Rhodes enters the ring, and guess what? He gets dropped with a black mask too. And the broadcast team said, "End's new name is Malachi Black." Now I like this segment. I'm glad. You know, look, I'll be honest. 
I kind of like the fact that he's brought his WWE gimmick over and he's sort of continuing it, continuing it into AEW. I think that's a cool thing, man. Even all the way to the point with his eye, you know, how his eye was damaged in WWE and all that shit. I think that's kind of cool. Now, if Alistair Black or Malachi Black, whatever you want to call him, Tommy End, if he doesn't go over Cody Rhodes, I assume he's going to get a match with Cody next. That's what you think, right? And now I'm sure that's leading to... Right. And I'm assuming it's going to be... I don't think Cody will be his first opponent, but he'll be his first opponent, you know, leading up to a pay-per-view, obviously, right? That's what I think anyway. The the first uh, match we're getting will be with Cody Rhodes, but of course he'll have one of those throwaway matches before right. we get to that point. No doubt. Let, let me just let me just say this. If you was there in Miami in that arena, again, eight thousand, right. nine thousand, ten thousand, when the lights go off and they come on and you see Alistair Black. Now skir- skirmish ice, I'm just gonna say Alistair. I don't want to say Malachi. And uh, I'm not <laughs> it's that's so stupid. Name, but I'm just I hate gonna that name. Going for the short yeah. term I'm just gonna say Alistair. But when you see Alistair in the ring that's a great moment. That's that's Pop City right there. Oh, no for sure. Issues, no issues with me. Now, if you was watching it on Dynamite, I got a problem. And here's <laughs> where it was the problem. The commentary. They oh, Excalibur let me, especially. Let me, now, for all the skirmishites out there, for the PWCites, the Rageites, let me let me let me let the professor fix what should have been said. Here's how it would have gone. Jimmy, follow me here. I'm, First, I'm following. When the light when the lights go off, when the lights come on, Tony Schiavone is the first person that needs to say this. Who is this mystery man? We don't know <laughs> yeah. where did this mystery man come from. He's the guy that starts to point out that he doesn't know him because really, in, in terms of of TV purposes. We don't know where he is. He never saw him. He's never called a match. So it, you can actually believe that. Number one. Number two, once you see the the, the, the kick to Arn Anderson, the black mask kick, then Excalibur comes into to the fold. This is what all Excalibur had to say. Well, during my days in the Indies and all around the world, I knew this man as Tommy N, but that's not the man that I know. I don't know who this man is. And then you got the closer, good old JR. All he had to do was say, whoever this man is, Tommy Ann or whoever this man is, this man has made an indelible impact on WWE Dynamite. That's it. You fixed it right there. And then after the smoke clears, then you need Alex Marvez to be the, the journalist that he is, put a mic in his face, Say the name Tommy in, and then it's Alistair's job to say the name. Tommy is dead. I don't know who Tommy is. My name is Malachi. You understand? Your commentator should not know the name. Let him say the name. Then they respond. Then they bounce off to what the wrestler says. Right. That's what you need to do. And that's, that's why, folks. But it's very important. And that's why you're the glorious professor because of shit like that. You're spot on. So this deserves another cheer, Prof. Hey, you're, you're 100% spot on, man. You're 100% you spot like on. And... You like me? You really like me? <laughs> 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 
The fans are cheering, bro. The fans are cheering. But look, to give the benefit of the doubt, okay, to be fair to friggin' Excalibur, now I'm not giving him any sort of... Uh, he's he, he's not getting away with what he did, right? But to be fair, Alistair Black did come out and mention his name on social media. Now, most people didn't see that, right? So we're going to assume that... Right, so we're going to assume that people didn't see that. So in saying that, what you said is 100% spot. It is spot on. Excalibur, man, he's got a good voice. He's got a great voice, but Jesus Christ, you fucking ruined it, all right? It should have been really... I would have been happy if there was no commentating at all. It was just they were quiet because I was just shocked. Mm -hmm. But if there was, have Skiavone say, oh, my God, who's that? You know what I mean? Because he doesn't know who the fuck Alistair Black is with. Right? Technically. That's where it would work. Right. That's where it would work. The the coordination of the commentary to say that. You know what I mean? That's the thing. You know, and again, if I want to nitpick, I could go all the way back to AEW's infancy in Excalibur St. John Moxley. Some people yeah. don't even know that name. They knew Dean Ambrose's name. But then, right. you know, that's 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 the problem there too. Sometimes for this for the new audience or for just the you know, the national television audience, the wrestler needs to say the name first and the commentators should bounce off to the react like you just said. They need to react to what is going on. They have to react to what they see and what they hear. And that's why I said, in my opinion, because of that name, Malachi, it's the name that's what gets me. Because if, if it was Tommy N, then I can actually say what I said. Excalibur said, well, I knew him as Tommy N. Right, that's why exactly, if you're gonna do a exactly. Tra- if you're going to do a trademark name like Malachi, it's his job. It's Malachi's responsibility to have a promo to say that name, not Excalibur's. Not look, JR I, and not right, and and look, I do think that we're gonna still hear him as Tommy End, right? I think that from what I what I take no, this, no, you don't the, think so? The, I have to no, because on Twitter they said welcome to the team Malachi. I've seen that Twitter on AEW. All right, well, I I, I thought I assumed that uh, Malachi the the gimmick is a demon that's possessed Tommy End. You know, if that was smart. Mm-hmm. If they, they could play this really good. Now, you can disagree with me, Prof, but I think you can get a great little thing going if you have both Malachi and Tommy End. Where Look, hear me out. Tommy End can be a baby face, right? And Malachi can be the heel. I mean, don't you think that would be a good little thing? I think it could work. Like a, like a twisted soul, you know, Dr. Yeah, Jeffrey, like a twisted... Right, exactly. Well, you know, he's got plenty of opportunities to have that twisted, twisted soul kind of uh, promos and, you know, feuds. Of course, one name comes to mind, Darby Allen. That, that's a twisted enigma. Both of them can play <laughs> each other. But, you know, besides, I guess, because Cody Rose had to get his name, you know, he had to get that fresh meat. He needed to get the rub, you know. He needs to be in, in the thick of things. But there's only certain people that I'm looking forward for uh, Malachi to go against. Darby is one because, like I, like you just said, Twisted Soul, I, I can see that as a right. promos from both of them will be, you know, dark, mysterious, you know, depressing. That's Absolutely. beautiful stuff right there. No but doubt. also, if we, if we want to go with the countrymen, 
know, where's Tom? Tommy is from what, Australia or? No, UK no, from Holland, whatever. from the Netherlands. Oh, he's from, he's from the Netherlands. Right. You need to find, you know, him against Pac. I can't wait yeah. to see him against Pac. You know, for the that, European Championship. Know, something like that, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, the international flavor with that kind of match, I can't wait to see him against Pac. Oh, brilliant match, no doubt about it. And we'll see what happens. We'll see where they go with this. Hopefully, they keep him strong. If he loses to Cody, though, that's it. I'm going to give up on this friggin' company, man. Seriously. Oh, no, I'll no, be... No. Everybody will... Tell, even, you know, A-Track, Brown, the Dirty the City will tell you, don't worry, Cody is, is going to take the fall to make uh, Tommy N, a.k.a. Malachi, a superstar in AEW. Don't worry. It's okay. Oh, hey, I'm glad you brought Track up and shout out to, to Track. But Jesus Christ, man, he, he's got to take off his frigging Cody glasses, man. <laughs> like, come on, man, well, seriously. But Hey, he's the Dame Dash of AEW, so that, that's what uh, <laughs> always called. So. The, Dame, the Dame Dash, and who's the Jay-Z? <laughs> I guess that. I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know if it's, <laughs> or if it's Tony Khan, but I always know that he always, he's always said that he's the Dame Dash of wrestling, so... Oh Ash man! Track. Don't ask me. I don't know what you're about that one. <laughs> All right, no doubt. Anyway, we move on to uh, to Ricky Starks and Taz. Uh, you know, cutting a little promo. It, it it is what it is. I mean, you know, I, I hate this friggin' shit as it is. This is fucking dumb. I don't know where they're going with this. I guess they're trying to make Ricky Starks into a babyface. No, they're making baby uh, Brian Cage into a baby. Oh yeah, but yeah, Brian Cage, right, and right. They, and they're trying to make the FTW belt mean something, but you know, they they already dropped the ball with the FTW belt. Number one, number two, again, like I said before, factions represent the whole. So when Team Cash is just a bunch of, I don't want to say they're all jobbers, but it affects everybody. When when one loses, they all lose, and the guy with a lot of untapped potential is powerhouse Hobbs and he's suffering because of Team Taz not, you know, being uh, booked in a higher light, if, if you understand what I'm trying to say here. But, um, let me just see. You know, Ricky Starks, you know, I, I see a lot of great, you know, untapped potential with him. I like, but again, I don't go with the small factor, but he's too small. And then Brian Cage is too buff to what he does. He tries it. He's a monster that tries to act like he's Rey Mysterio Jr. I never liked that oh, either. God. So. Tell me about it, man. And if they're trying to fight for control of Team Taz, that's one thing. But Team Taz is disintegrating before our very eyes. And I really don't care. Either way. Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. So let's just move on to... Um, uh, I don't even know if I... I don't know what to say about this match. But we got... Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander versus the Blade and the Bunny in a mixed tag match. Really, I've got nothing to say other than fuck this shit. This was all about this. This was all about trying to get Chris Statlander over, maybe as another top contender for Britt Baker, because it was just to see her shine and just remind everybody, remind all the AEW fans out there that they they had high hope for her before she got injured. But I keep, I'll keep saying this. I'll say it all the time. If you allow me, Jimmy, Allie is better than the bunny. 
I miss <laughs> Allie from Impact because she had all the storylines. She had all. She, she had. She had me invested. Allie had me invested. Don't care about the bunny. And again, factions just ruin everything because the bunny and the blade are involved with Hardy uh, family office, and the whole doesn't matter. Private party doesn't matter to me. The butcher don't matter to me, and who else is hybrid two don't matter to me. So yep. that's the problem with factions. They all just the stink is on the whole and not just one. Sometimes you know somebody could be above it, but. When it comes to Hardy family office, none of them, uh, none of them is there. None of them are. Everybody is equal. And then in this match itself, this is again the trappings of Orange Cassidy. The man is so over. You know, everybody is dressed like Orange Cassidy. They got the sunglasses. They got the blue jean jacket. Okay, cool. Hey, <laughs> cool. The man, the man that just fought for the for the AEW title at Double or Nothing. Downgrades his job, and this is where AEW fans and Mark Tards just doesn't see this. His job now, because of getting the rub from people like Omega, getting the rub from people like Jericho, he's got to bring that to other people. He's got to elevate people in a better light. So if the blade is going to get to the next level, Ars Cassidy's got to make him look good. Did he make him look good, Jimmy? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so either. Right, exactly. There's a there's a problem there. That's one of the problems. When you get the rub from somebody of value, and then you can't bring that same value to you know the underneath guys. That's the trappings of Orange Cassidy. He'll always have that problem. I agree 100%, man. And in saying that, Cassidy and Chris Dallander beat the Blade and the Bunny in around about eight minutes. And, and look, I was a fan of Chris Statlander, but you know what, man? She's another one that's starting to get exposed, dude. Mm, well, you know, people don't like Alexa Bliss's, uh, you know, Dark Realm, at, you know, persona. Right. So I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be invested with an alien, you know. She's from another galaxy, so, that's you know, that's more man. believable. And that's more <laughs> over. That's more uh, credible than what Alexa Bliss is doing. Again, damn if you do, damn if you don't. And, I, you know, all I'm just saying is just be consistent, people. Just be consistent with uh, your criticisms of, of certain things. If I can, right. if, if you try to answer back with why Chris Stantlander is over and why Alexa Bliss sucks, then please come at me with some uh, information because I do not hear anything and I do not see anything posted of why one is good and one is bad. I absolutely agree, 100%. Well, we move on to Skiavone attempting to speak with Lambert, Nunez, and Masvidal. But Lambert took the mic. <laughs> this was great from him. Lambert said no one said anything about an interview. Lambert entered the ring with the mic and spoke about an MMA fight. Then said he was skeptical about coming to the show because AEW sucks. <laughs> Lambert spoke about watching championship wrestling from Florida, being real wrestling. He said pro wrestling has gone downhill since the late 90s. He ain't wrong. Right, and today's product is unwatchable. Lambert said Tony Khan told him that AEW is doing things the right way. Lambert said he's 90 minutes into the show, and the lesson learned is that he should always trust in, in your in your own instincts. And then we get Lance Archer coming out and drop Lambert with a forearm to the face. Archer followed up by hitting Lambert with his blackout finisher. Nunez was shown smiling for a second while watching from ringside. Now, Lambert cut a great fucking promo, dude. 
I'm not going to lie. I think he absolutely hit it out the park. And clearly he was a, he was a professional wrestling fan back in the day, which is great to see. I mean, because he mm-hmm. cut a typical professional wrestling promo. I mean, I love this yeah. segment. Yeah, the segment was good. I mean, Lambert's been doing this for years. I mean, he did it with uh, Impact Wrestling. Right, exactly. With Bobby Lashley, America's Top Team. And whenever you see uh, Lambert, tr- best believe in AEW, I'm just, I don't, I don't know why I'm feeling it this way. Every, everywhere Lambert is, King Mo is right behind him. True, there good point. Very good MLW, point. And you know those surprises that TK promises? Right. Watch. Watch a King Mo King appearance Mo. on Dynamite. Now, whether people know who King Mo is, that's a different they story. They probably don't. Day, they again. probably don't. I like but, him personally. But, I'm a fan of King Mo's, nah, man. I'm not saying that King Mo sucks or anything. I'm just saying. Right, right. You know, for, for, for the surprise uh, theory here, if you don't know who he is, you know, he was the... In Bellator, I believe he's an MMA fighter, MMA champion. I saw him in Impact Wrestling. You know, he did a couple of spots there. He's done the stuff in MLW. And again, if Lambert's there, and you're right, Jimmy, the problem was great. The only thing, if I if I'm gonna nitpick a little bit, is you know, if you have Amanda Nunez smiling and you have Masvidal smiling, yeah. you know, why were they there? You know. You need you need the America's top team that's gonna like go in the ring and play off that their guy is hurt, you know what I mean? And they're pissed that you know one of the AEW boys got at him. You know what I mean? If you're gonna Absolutely. do some kind of AEW slash America's top team crossover uh, stuff, then have the goons that's gonna be on Lambert's side and you know take a take a fall or whatever. Amanda Nunes was smiling. It just because it looked fake to her. At oh, least, no, it's you know, silly. Look, again, let, let me use this example. Did Ronda Rousey smile when Brock pulled her out of the crowd at WrestleMania? Not, no. Not, not at all, she, right. She kept the kayfabe. She, she knew what she had to do. Now, her horsewomen were smiling and giggling and, and marking out, but Ronda kept it, you know, kayfabe and... That's what you needed to do for Amanda Nunes. She needed to look pissed off that her boy, Lambert, is down. Mavadon <laughs> should look pissed. They were smiling true, and giggling like, damn, I'm, I'm happy to be here. If this was a one-off, <laughs> if this is a one-off appearance, it's a waste. If this is going to build to AEW versus America's top team and a King Bo appearance, then I'm all for it. I 100% agree. Look, you think it's going to be... A King Mo appearance. I mean, is he signed to MLW? Is he under contract? Well, I don't know how Corp Bauer does his contracts. You know, we don't right. know about those ex- escape clauses. But hey, I mean, MJF was in MLW. True. Brian Pillman Jr. was in MLW. So I'm just going with the, you know, with the history here. King Mo was in MLW for a little bit. If he has, if if Corp Bauer's got nothing for King Mo. I'm sure TK can uh, milk him for a couple of dynamite and dark elevation appearances, or well, rampage if you want to get some names. Uh, well, yeah, I yeah I agree. I mean, I I hope rampage is a like a like a SmackDown sort of show. Like I'm I'm hoping, but we'll see when when it comes to that point anyway. But and one other thing about rampage is that on TNT or TBS. Uh, it's going to be on TNT right now, but the, everything moves to TBS in 2020. Right. 
that's what I'm hearing as well. Like even Rampage. I thought Rampage though was meant to just be on TNT, but whatever. I could have sworn they said that, but it is what it is. All I know, definitely Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in America. That's all I know. But whether it's going to be on TNT or TBS, I don't know about that part. I know it's on also, TNT first. Right, and that doesn't debut till August, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. Now, in first, saying that... First or second Friday. Okay, cool. In saying that, though, I just want to point out that MLW is probably the best professional wrestling program on television right now. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Right, but anyway, it's it's gritty. It it kind of reminds me a little bit of ECW. Back yeah. In the days right, right. In this in this storytelling, but you know they 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 were suffering a little bit because of their roster, how thin that roster is. So hopefully, with the influx of people and the the relationships that they have in Mexico and and Japan, they could bring them into America and then makes the roster fill out more. Right. Well, Prof, we we finally move on to the main event. And the main event is the Young Bucks, Matt, Matt and Nick Jackson with friggin' Brandon Cutler versus Eddie Kingston and Penta El Zero Miedo in a street fight for the AEW tag titles. Now, Don Cutler sat in the commentary team with the commentary team. The challengers jumped the champions to start the match. The Bucks had accidentally took out Michael Nakazawa with a double super kick at ringside. Nick Powell bombed Kingston onto the table that was turned upside down in the ring. Moments later, Penta hit a destroyer on Matt from the apron threw a table onto the floor. Nick kicked the trash can into the face of Penta heading into the break. Kingston caught Matt in a submission hold. Nick went up the top and performed a big splash onto the ref. Gallows and Anson ran out to help the Bucks. There was a comedy spot with Color climbing onto the apron and being hesitant to use the cold spray. Frankie Kazarian showed up and powerbomb Color through a table. Kingston had Matt pinned when a second referee ran down. Nick pulled the second referee to ringside to prevent him from making the three count. Carrion roughed up um, uh, roughed up Nick Gallows and Anson took out Kazarian with a magic killer at ringside. In the ring, Kingston poured thumbtacks inside the ring. Matt picked up some of the tacks and threw them at Kingston's face, which was kind of brutal. Penta hit Matt with a trash can. Penta caught Nick with a kick and went up and went up top, but Nick cut him off and joined him on the ropes. Nick performed the Hurricane Rana, then flipped Penta onto the tacks. Nick went for the cover, but Kingston shoved Matt onto the pole to break up the pin. The Bucks threw super kicks at both opponents. They put tacks inside the mouth of Kingston. Matt super kicked Kingston. Then both Bucks piled onto him and scored the pin. The Young Bucks defeat Eddie Kingston and Penta in a street fight in about 14 minutes and 10 seconds. And this match was an absolute schmoz. Mm-hmm. And and you realize the longest matches of the of the night belong to the beginning and the end. The Cody had right. the longest match for fifteen minutes, and True. like you just said, the Bucks had a fifteen minute match to close the show, and then the other three matches were kind of fillers. But that's another story for another day. Right. Uh, now remember, I told you earlier how Kenny Omega's prickness is. I, I would say feels organic to me. It just yeah. you know it just looks right. It just feels right. I like it, man. At first, I, I wasn't sure about it, but now I'm starting to really dig it, man. So, yeah. Right. But the young bucks do it. They don't even know how to do it. They're right. just doing it just to... There's a, You know, they always call it a go-away heat. It's not heat. Yeah. It's go-away heat because I don't care. Because they're, they're trying too hard on something that's so easy to do. Be a heel. 
They, they don't even Absolutely. know how to do it because they've ne- everything's been handed to them. They've been so entitled thanks to the Bullet Club. That I'm just being real here. They're no, not you're the right. Tag team of the two, they're not the tag team of the 2010s, people. The Briscoes were. But that's another story for another day. Absolutely. Now, this, this match, what, what were they trying to do? They were trying to pay homage to John Cena with the jorts? <laughs> I don't is, fucking is know, what, dude. I don't I have mean, a clue anymore, Prof. I really don't know what the fuck is going on now, anymore. Now, this, now this is the problem here because now I'm I'm following them on Twitter. I'm following their besides BT. I don't really follow that. But right. Everything they do is is trying to piss off the business. You know, they change their yeah, files true, every true, true. day. They change. So it's supposed for the for the stuff that they do, right? They're supposed to want me to hate them for the, right, for the yeah. match. Somebody whistling at you, Jimmy? Oh, you got No, nah, that was a bird. That was a bird. That was a bird tweeting. Okay, okay. okay. Wink, wink, yeah. I, I, I don't whistle when I hear one, but anyway. <laughs> no, really. There was a hot chick walking past. There was a hot chick walking past, though. I won't lie. Oh, okay. So, anyway, yeah. The books are just trying so hard in something that's supposed to be so easy, and it just doesn't come off right to me. That's number one. Now, again, this is 14 minutes too long, and you want to call it a schmaz, you want to call it a clusterfuck. It is what it is for a Young Bucks match. And, you know, and then this is the, the other problem. Like, the first year of AEW, maybe people were pissed that they weren't the AEW tag team champions. They were trying to get other tag teams over. Now... Here's the problem. They really don't need to be AEW tag team champions with a division so deep and tag teams that really need the uh, the placement, you know, the FTRs, right, right. the private parties, the, the the LAXs, the Butcher and the Blade. You you got all these teams that just need spots, and the Young Bucks is just hogging up the spot. Now, yep. Kenny Omega being the top guy is one thing, but and I can understand that. But the Young Bucks are just drowning out this deep tag team that it just, you know, they're, they're doing it to themselves. I don't know. I, I hope I'm trying to explain myself. It's just No, 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 no. You're just, right. You're right. They're devaluing the tag team division that they were so stout about, that they talked about, that they reveled about. Absolutely. with me. You got oh, a makeshift tag team like Kingston and Penta. We know it's supposed to be the Lucha Brothers, but I think Phoenix is injured. So Kingston is coming in as a filler. I get that. I understand that. And you're trying to finish off this story. But again, yeah. this tag team division is supposed to be so deep. You know, the acclaim that Max Caster, everybody loves his rap. Rapping. I love Max Caster, man. Right. They get... They get one match with the Bucks and one or two matches with the Bucks. Where are they? They're on dark. They're on elevation. And that's fucking annoying because I feel like they should be getting pushed even higher, man, up the card. There you go. They should be on dynamite, you know. Right. They should accentuate that positive of Max Caster on dynamite every Wednesday. Just find a way to put them there. So this way, when they get a match that is relevant, they get a match that I'm invested in. You can see them, but that's what I'm saying. The Young Bucks are drowning out this deep tag team, and then you got like 15 tag teams and 14 of them you won't care about. Absolutely, 100% in agreement with you, Prof. And that's the thing, man. I want to like the Bucks 
But fuck, man. Like, they're, 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 they're hogging the spotlight. Every week they're changing their fucking look. I don't even know what they're trying to go for this week. You know what I mean? Last week was well, kind again, of funny. Like I said, Omega's doing the little things here. It feels organic. It's just, it just goes with the character that Kenny Omega is trying to represent. Right. The Young Bucks never really had this. They were, you know, I don't want to call them like the, you know, degenerates. Yes, they are. They are. But they are a parody of DX, dude. Right now, that's exactly what's were, happening. They were the goofballs of Bullet Club. Please yeah, and then wrong here. They were the no, no, no. You're right. Club. Right, they right. They were the two five live tag team champions of New Japan. <laughs> of they they were. got the Ring of Honor. They got the Ring of Honor tag titles, and and people were so <laughs> caught up with the glamour of the Young Bucks, like they were the best tag team in the world. No, they weren't. They were not the best. They were just in a great place for people to take them seriously. And of course, they tried. They were trying to act like the Hardys. They were trying to act like the Rockers and all this stuff. That's what I'm just saying. They don't even know how to be heels here. They're thinking, wow, they got the, the porn star mustaches and that's doing something. Changing your biopic, is, that's going to generate heel heat. No. When you when you got go away heat, that just hurts your stock more and more. There's going to be Absolutely. people who just won't care about the Bucks. And um, again, I'm not taking away from their athletic abilities. I'm no, not taking away of course from what not. they do in the ring. Has nothing to it's, do with that, right. It has nothing to do with that. If I just don't like him and I don't even care about them on the TV, I literally wanted to change the channel because I knew they were going to win. That's how yeah, bad it is. It's, it's true. And that's what's fucking silly, dude. What was the point of last week just to get a number one contender match for this week? And, and, and get this. Why didn't they just wait for the fighter fest? Since we had a street fight, right? This was a street fight for the tag belt. Why not have this fucking match on fighter fest the week after? I, I think... TK, you know, the glory to God of TK, felt the pressure of Bubba Ray Dudley on the Busted Open show, where Bubba Ray pulled him out on his tag team uh, full pause, his tag team wrestling full pause, and turned this match into a street fight, when everybody knows that every Young Bucks match is a tornado match, every Young Bucks match is a clusterfuck, every Young Bucks match is a smazzle for the last six months. So that's the problem. That fucking the TK. Problem fucking TK. Book he, of the Year shit, bro. Yeah, he reacted to the to somebody being critical. And again, it's not hating when you're critical. It's just trying to help you just point out an obvious. And on top of that, well, the ratings came in, right, today. What, what was it? 800,000 and something? 800, 871,000. It was about... Three percent less than last week because I think last week was about eight eighty-five. So right, but again, and that's disappointing. That's the, no, it's their range. I, I think a lot of people really misunderstand this. It's like you know, I think uh, Lipman, your man, our man, yeah. Doctor Lipman. Right. You know, we 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 disagree on the range because he just says eight hundred thousand is always is their norm is going to be their norm, and I say no, it's not their norm. It's their range. I say eight hundred thousand to nine fifty k. And I say a sporadic, and I'm going to use the word sporadic, meaning it'll happen once in a while, but it won't happen consistently. They'll get a million, you know, a million rating. Depends on, you know, if Shaq is going to fight like uh, Paul White, Big Show, right? That's going to get right. a million rating on TNT because of Shaq and what he brings to the, and the value that he brings. But none of the dudes in AEW are going to bring a million rating unless 
John Cena is all elite. Unless Rock is all elite. Unless Stone Cold Steve Austin is all elite. Then you'll see a million consistently because you want to see what the hell's going on. But, Absolutely. you know, I can, be, I can be funny and I can be sarcastic and say, hey, Aleister Black, he didn't draw shit in Raw. He didn't draw shit in WWE. He didn't draw shit for AEW. Well, so he didn't. Let's be great. real. He fucking didn't. That's, right? Really? He didn't. No, I mean, again, I'm not going to take a positive moment out of AEW and then go with the ratings because because this is how Dave Meltzer, this is how all the AEW fans will fight it. Good. Alistair Black's segment, the surprise segment, got the most hits on YouTube, got the most traction uh, on YouTube and all God. that stuff. If you see the demos by that quarterly hour, Jimmy, <laughs> it, was, it was through the roof. This is how oh, through the roof. Ratings, this bro. Is everybody defend. Right. This is how everybody <laughs> will defend their certain segments. Well, my quarterlies were the tops. My quarterlies were the highest. No, it's your range. That's what it's gonna be, and that's the problem. I'm not. I'm not here to say ha on the ratings. I'm just here to say for all the skirmishites out there, that's your range. Eight hundred to nine fifty k on the consistent basis. You're just gonna have to get used to that, Jimmy. I'm sorry to right, say. Right, and you know what? You're you're pretty spot on because. That we'll get the occasional, you know, one million here and there, right? You know, one point two, if like, if that, if that, right? But I think you're you're pretty right. Their range would be between what we're getting now, which is what they're consistently pretty much getting, mm-hmm. and maybe nine fifty. You know what I mean? And that's tops. But in saying that, before you know, we end the show. In saying that, that's kind of disappointing, man. They're on prime time television. They're on TNT. They get a lot of hype. When you watch the NBA, they fucking even talk up Dynamite. Even on Inside the NBA with Shaq, Kenny, the Jet Smith, and, uh, you know, Charles Barkley and and Ernie, right? They even talk about it there. Doing their, right. right. Men doing their roles. But the problem, Jimmy, is, again, we even talked about it here on The Skirmish. Right. Certain segments you knew as a hardcore fan. I knew as a hardcore fan. But you're not trying to engage new fans. You're trying to get laps fans. And laps fans are the hardest people to keep happy because this is the problem with the laps fans. And I'm not saying that Chris Ams is this. This no, is no, no. my humble right. opinion. Right. But a laps fan has no tolerance for stupidity. A laps fan is That's not true. gonna like, you know, take the punishment of watching it week after week. You became a laps fan for a reason. If you're gonna if you're gonna try and watch it and you're gonna see something that whether it's on Raw or on Dynamite or on Impact Wrestling or on SmackDown that is stupid, makes no sense, insults your intelligence, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna find something else to watch and you'll become a laps fan again. Absolutely worst fans to try to capture. You've got to capture new fans. You gotta capture new casual fans. That will water cool, water cooler talk about wrestling if it makes sense to them. That's absolutely. My no, you're right. And you know what's even more stupid? TK has come out and said, like, you know, our promotions for the hardcore fan base and blah blah blah. We play to the hardcore fan base. Well, if you want to fucking grow, TK, that's not the right way of doing it. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Eh, it is what it is. Balance. You gotta have a balance. If Shaq against Paul White's gonna bring you a million point two fans, then 
you need to have a under undercard that's gonna keep a million that's gonna keep those like let's say two hundred or three hundred thousand casual fans to say, you know what? We'll see what's gonna happen next week. That's your job. That's how you keep that's how you make a new fan. That's how you make a new wrestling fan. Right. You right. gotta get a casual fan just to be caught up in something. Not a casual fan who just knows the name Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. And just wants to see one thing, and then oh, okay, well next week I'll watch my uh my other sports, my baseball or my uh Gossip Girls or whatever the case you may be, whatever show you want to watch. You know what I mean? That's the problem. Absolutely. With the, that's the that's the problem with AEW fans. That's the that's the problem with WWE shills. They don't <laughs> want to understand that the casual fan. There's a lot of positives for the word casual fan. People who are hardcore fans just do not understand the value. Yeah, because, and that's the problem with the IWC community, should I say, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of course. Like, they look down on those type of fans while the casuals fucking look down on the marks and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Whatever, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. I just want these companies to succeed. I'm a fan of professional wrestling, man. Don't get me wrong. WWE is like the home team because I grew up on WWE, right? But right. I just want... AEW to succeed because then it's it's good for professional wrestling as a whole. So like, is great. Right, Variety exactly. Exactly. And to be fair to TK and AEW, All Elite Wrestling, at least they give us some sort of surprises, right? Whereas WWE haven't really been doing so so much in that in that in terms of surprises. So Yeah, compl- yeah they've been complacent. We can't there's no underscoring what WWE's fault are. They're complacent. We know this. But now, it may you be know, they had too their, complacent. They had, yeah, they're too complacent. But again, I'll say this, but their repetition on their shows at least is consistent. True. Now, whether you like it or not, you know, I, always, I, I had this funny uh, comeback with somebody, right? I okay. said fans are full of shit because, you know, that one chant, they don't really mean it. Fight forever. Well, oh. at least on Raw, they do fight forever. Just don't really see it. <laughs> see? Oh, prof, man. You're if, if that's a that. problem, if that's a problem, then whatever. Oh, dude, that deserves one of these ones. <laughs> that's, uh, that's another one, prof. And once yeah, he's really. cheering, right, once the, once the fans stop clapping, please, prof, get your shit in, bro. Well, you can listen to me on the PWL Souls Networks at Podbean.com, where I host the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast, the PWR Podcast, every weekend with myself and the Tommy Wonder. You can listen to us on our Podbean Network. We're on the videos, too, on the PWL Souls Networks, on the YouTubes. And just follow me on my Twitter at PWL Hustle, P-R-O-F, that's PWL Hustle Pro. Thank you, Jimmy, for always, you know, inviting me on the skirmish I love these skirmishes. It's this and Jim Cornette really make my weeks. Prof, it's it's been a pleasure, bro. As per usual, like I said, man, you've got an open invitation and that goes to all the hustle lights out there to come onto the skirmish. You don't even, I don't even, dude, you don't even have to ask. All you got to do is just tell me you're on the skirmish and you're in, bro. So it's always been a pleasure to have you on. You're you're a wealth of knowledge and you talk sense. You know what I mean? Unlike other podcasters out there that just don't know what they're talking about. You, my friend, know what you're talking about, and that's why I love you on the show, man. So, Thank you. And I'm credited. I'm, I'm credited with a diploma, too. Hey, the Dr. Professor. 
<laughs> we can call you both. But in saying that, this is the PWC, and you're listening to the Wednesday Night Skirmish right here on the Rational Rage Network. Peace. <laughs> You know, uh, this is a very challenging interview for me to do. Darby Allen, Ethan Page, I gotta tell you guys something. In all my years of doing this, I'm a little disgusted. I'm a little uneasy. Because you both talk about ending the other guy's career. I find that to be sad. Something's really sad about it. Well, when somebody loses their livelihood, I, I kind of feel that's disturbing. No, maybe he deserves it. How do you justify that? Why? What has gone on in your past, collective past, 
that would create that animosity. Truthfully, none of us stop. My first year in wrestling was 18-12. And the fact that I was where he was in one year that took him 12, he couldn't stand. That's what this is all about, Ethan. I have no walls of complacency. I was homeless, living in my car. Look at you. Right, look at me. No, 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 no. No, look at it's me. Not, it's not my fault that you got married. You never left your hometown. You had kids. I dropped everything to make sure I made it to somewhere like AEW. You, no, no, you were complacent. complacent. You were the big fish in the little pond. Really? And the fact that I made it to AEW before you, you couldn't say. That's actually true. He didn't say a single lie. He skipped the line. If it wasn't for me, Darby, you'd probably still be living in your car. You'd probably still be doing those same shows. And you'd probably still have no money in your pocket. I plucked you from obscurity. I brought you in and up in professional wrestling. Me. Me. Those checks you cash, that's some things you learn from sharing the ring with somebody with 12 years of experience at the time. You know how much it drives me insane, Jim? The fact that every day of my life, since the day I was born, people told me I would be a star. I'd be making money. And I have to watch a little runt kid like this paint his face up to hide the shame from the fact of knowing that without me, you'd be nothing in professional wrestling, darling. I brought you in to this business. Thank you for not touching me. Next week in this coffin match, I'm gonna take you out. Well, if I'm hearing this correctly, next week in Austin, the first ever coffin match will take place. Paige and Darby. And I gotta tell you guys, I don't have a very peaceful, easy feeling about this situation. Good. Because you should. I think this is a must-win for QT Marshall to be coach. I think this is a must-win for QT Marshall to be Cody on national television, global television. He would never have a bigger win, or as of today. This would certainly. I think this is a must-win for QT Marshall to be Cody on national television, global television. He would never have a bigger win. Or has he to date? This would certainly be QT Marshall's biggest career win. He likes to say that he pinned Cody Rhodes clean in the middle of the ring. And sure he did, but it was after the assistance of the Olympic bronze medalist Anthony Agogo. Marshall having trouble with his left eye there. Blood flow running through his to his eye. Limits his vision, obviously. Look at this. Cody looking for the work on Rana, but QT counters! Avalanche powerbomb! That's quick thinking, Tony. That's quick thinking. QT knows what he's doing. I mean, we all know about Cody and his past, but QT has had many, many matches. It was quick thinking. And he just used Cody's momentum against him there, is what he did. Hey, QT's another guy that took advantage of Arn Anderson's coaching back in the day. Certainly did. And Cody Rhodes, you know, he's been a household name for so long. But QT Marshall actually has more in-ring experience than Cody. And I think that's one of the things that QT holds against Cody, that he feels he should be as well-known as the American Nightmare. Here we go. Well, too many guys worried about nicknames. 
Just go out there and you beat enough people off and you're going to get everywhere you want to go. That's right. You'll, Nick, learn, you'll earn whatever nickname you want. Damn right. I agree with you, JR. Cody on spaghetti legs. UT wrapping up. Cody with the, the strap. Trying, I'm sorry, Mark. Trying to prevent him from getting to the, uh, to touching the corners. The sad irony of this is that it's legal. The referee, as you see, one of the most confident officials in all of pro wrestling, Paul Turner. Well, UT looking for the diamond cutter with Cody's arms captured. UT oh. diamond cutter out of the corner. Uh, he may win it if he has enough wherewithal to get around the corner. I don't think Cody's going to get up. If it was a pinning match, a normal match, I think UT would have him right now. I think so. I think he could cover him. But he's got to touch all four in succession of the turnbuckles. The top turnbuckles, obviously. And the fans letting QT Marshall hear it, but this match may be over. If Cody can't get back to his feet, QT Marshall has the opportunity. Bottom of the ninth there, Cody. One more. Now the referee's got to make a judgment call when the whole process has been interrupted, and he just waved it off. So That's right. QT's got to start all over. And the strap once again laid into the flesh of Cody Rhodes' back. Those straps can cut the flesh. And this is a new strap. Not only that, Jay, you hear I think, that? I think the longer the match goes, the strap gets wet and perspiration, the sharper it gets. Look, Cody. He's challenging QT to bring it. By God, bring it. And I'll bring some too. Cody with the pump kick and a big right hand. Sending QT out towards the center of the ring. Cody charging in, goes over the top, the head scissors. Boy, that's that American dream light fire, Tony Schiavone. Yeah, I tell you what, he can, he can oh, pull listen. it down with, ooh, pull it down deep. Cody watched many matches of his father and his brother, Dustin, when he was a youngster. Cody headed up top, looking yeah. for the Cody Connor center of the ring. What elevation on that springboard. And what a chance this kid took. Arn says, let's take it home. Let's end this business. Let's get to the pay window. They're chanting Cody's name, Jim. Three more in succession, and Cody has won this. But here comes QT Marshall. Much to his credit, his toughness has been very well underscored. But that low blow will underscore a lot of things. Here it is. QT. He's He's picking up all the slack on the strap to prevent Cody from touching the fourth turnbuckle. Oh, holy hell. Good God, little. That's hideous. Cody, crossroads. Not one. Yeah. Not baby. just one. Not just two. How about a trifecta? Three consecutive crossroads. One more, buddy. One more. What a match. Here is your winner, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. It's counter. What a great way to kick off Dynamite. Three consecutive crossroads, four consecutive turnbuckle touches. Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, victorious at our Welcome Back Tour.
Chris, I'm gonna sit right back down. Cause that's what these people want. And I don't give a crap what they want. It's a shame we got to this point, Chris, because I used to look up to you, man. I used to look up to you. Matter of fact, I followed every single step of your career. Shut up! Shut up! I followed every step of your career. Matter of fact, one of my favorite parts of your career is when you were at odds with John Moxley. Oh yeah, do you guys remember that rivalry? John Moxley and Chris Jericho here at AEW? Yeah. Christopher, do you remember what you put John through in order to get a match with you? You made him wrestle every single person in the inner circle. And my God, was that heartless, but oh so inspired. So you know what, Chris? Karma sucks, doesn't it? I've decided to take your blueprint and do what I do best, and that's make it better. With a little twist, you know, I grew up loving Greek mythology, Chris, which is interesting because your nickname comes from demigod being demogod, which is a little bit odd considering you're definitely no longer in the key demo, bud. He's still Chris Jericho, guys. Come on, take it easy on him. You know, my favorite Greek story was the labors of Hercules, and you're gonna have five labors, Chris. The first four will be opponents of my choosing, all with different stipulations, and you have to win back to back to back to back. And the fifth stipulation, if you manage to get through the first four, which you won't, you get that MJF rub one more time. You get an opportunity to wrestle me one more time, and when I beat you for a third time, hopefully you get it through your thick skull that I'm better than you, and you know it. So what do you say, Hercules? You gonna sign on the dotted line or what? I'll say this, Max. If I can't with last your labors in Jericho, and if I can't beat you, maybe I don't deserve to be in AEW anymore anyways. But I'll tell you this, if you want to talk about Greek mythology, I'm your guy. I'm gonna accept your labors because I am the god of battle. I am the god of thunder. I am the god of war in AEW. And I am going to beat you. You're dead right I am. And I'm going to beat you and I'm going to ruin your life the way you tried to ruin mine. And that ain't no mythology. Whoa, 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 Chris! This ain't over yet before you leave. See, I don't come from a dumpster fire like Miami, Florida. I come from the greatest place in the world, Plainview, Long Island, New York. And in Plainview, Long Island, New York, a deal is not done until both parties shake hands. Shake my hand, or the deal's up!
Mass Effect by Jericho. You cover what you wish for. Good night, Max. Somebody oh. pull him out. Kingston is double tough. He has taken the lion's share of the punishment here tonight, still going. And he's tougher than a proverbial $2 steak, I'll give him that. Adisa endured a great deal at the hands of the amazing tag team champions who are fighting like hell not to lose these titles tonight. Remember, they lost their first match in over 300 days last week to these two men, Kingston and Penta. Young Bucks showing their toughness. Yeah, look at Andy getting pissed up, man. Just Instinctively trying to protect himself. That street fight background. To Young Bucks. Oh, looking for more bang for your buck. And telegraphed it a little bit. Oh! No, 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 no. Half and half from Kingston. Matt Jackson. Half and half also called the Arnold Palmer. Oh! oh. DDT just spiking Matt Jackson. Somebody's got to go for a cover here. Eddie Kingston! No, 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 no! Yeah, rear naked choke, put it on him. He's got the hooks in. He's in the middle, and the hooks are in. This isn't good. Now Nick's got a decision to make here. Nick Jackson! Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, my God! Nick Jackson just 450 splashed a ref! Great decision! And it's tapping! He's tapping! We've got new champions! Doesn't matter! We've got no new referee, Shabani! Oh, what a bad break. Oh, jeez. For Eddie and Penta, they had it. They got the tap out. That's no referee to call it. That's life on the streets, JR. Okay, Don. Thank oh, you very much. Oh, God. God. This match is a street fight. It's all legal. We can't condone violence against our officials, and now the Good Brothers, like the jackals they are. Jackals is the right word. They're IWGP bound, and certainly they want to take the U.S. IWGP title with them. This Carl Anderson will take on Moxley next week. And the Good Brothers just teeing off on any case. The case and trying to cover up, but Pentel Serrano, top man, got it all. This is a travesty. We should have new World Tag Team Champions right now. We should be celebrating as we speak. Penta has used a lot of non-street fighting techniques to great success in this match. He Penta. certainly has, and this is how they finished it last week. Penta's one of a kind, and so is his crazy partner, Eddie. The fear... Oh, spear by Matt yeah. Jackson! He was going for the fear factor, no doubt. Massive spear by Matt Jackson. Oh, Stooge alert. Associate Stooge Cutler. He's, he, he can't... What? That's terrible go. timing. He's missing it. Wait a minute, who's that? That's the elite hunter. Oh, Frankie Kazarian. He's still spraying this. Oh. Kaz is here. Yes. Kazarian, the power monster of the table. We need a new intern. We need a whole set of new tables. But we've got one elite hunter. And the tag team titles are on the line. Anybody's ball game. This is how they did it last week. The Fear Factor followed up by the Oregon. We have new channel. The cover. Kingston. One, two, three, four, five. five count to six. a million. Another referee. There it is. No, 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 no. Oh, come oh. on. 
It's a street fight. I know that, dog. It's a ripoff is what it is. And Kazarian! Kazarian has seen enough out of the elite. Don has confirmed what we said a thousand times the last 20 minutes. I'm it's a street fight. I'm, I'm loving Ryan, every so bit of it, buddy. complaining I'm... when stuff happens in the streets. Oh, Gallows and Anderson, they there got Kazarian go. up. Magic oh! killer on the floor. That magic killer, man. What action? You got to admit it. What a man event we're seeing here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, for the cover of the AEW oh. Tag Team titles. And now, okay, come on, this is too much now. Woo! Too much. Too train. much. Too much, Don. Don, it's too much. We saw Eddie Kingston do this in his AEW debut. Oh, oh. my God! Right in the face. The face right. with thumbtacks. Right, right in the eyes. Oh, what carnage! Matt Jackson was looking for a powerbomb on the thumbtacks. Penta with a well-placed trash can. What a hell of a show Road Rager's been! But Nick Jackson in the corner. Penta charging in. Bandera sends him up and over the top. Nick Jackson. Oh! oh! Great athletic movement by both men. Two of the best in the entire world. Penta and Nick Jackson. But Nick Jackson not out of this one yet. He's returning fire from the apron. Remember those Floor's covered with thumbtacks. Yeah. The ring floor. That, that's... Nick... Oh, no. What do we got? People Nick. chanting for Penta here in Miami. Nick Jackson! Oh, 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 my God! The cover! Over the leg! Two! No! Kingston pushes the pile! Nick Jackson's got a carcass full of thumbtacks. And so does Penta. Uh, and, and Matt's bleeding from the nose. Holy hell, this is, this is incredible. What a match, ladies and gentlemen. Live here tonight on TNT. Oh, Superkick party. Kingston taking down Penta. A face hacks right in the face of Penta. And oh, Superkick. Oh, no. Matt, Nick Jackson put the thumbtacks in the mouth of oh, Kingston. Oh, 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 thumbtacks oh, kicking this. the mouth. Look at this. No. Lovely. A brawl. That would have been a troll and epic proportion. AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks. And if you're wondering if the Young Bucks can brawl and fight, I think we've answered all those questions. This is another reason they're the best tag team in pro wrestling. But JR in a straight up tag team match. No interference, no nothing. I would take Eddie Kingston and Penta 10 times out of 10. I would agree. They, they had him tapped out, they had him pinned, but they didn't win it. You still got the same tag team chance. Congratulations, victory. Legendary victory oh. for a legendary team, JR. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us live. We're back on the road. We'll be in Austin, Texas next Wednesday night for our whole team. Good night, everybody. Rational Rage.